Done. Sliding into his fifth pie, Lardass began to imagine that he wasn't eating pies. He pretended he was eating cow flops and rat guts and blueberry sauce. Slowly, a sound started to build in Lardass's stomach. A strange and scary sound, like a log truck coming at you at a hundred miles an hour. Lardess opened his mouth, and before Bill Travis knew it, he was covered with five pies worth of used blueberries. The women in the audience screamed. Boss man Bob Cormier took one look at Bill Travis and barked on Principal Wiggins. Principal Wiggins barked on the lumberjack that was sitting next to him. Mayor Grundy barked on his wife's t- But when the smell hit the crowd, that's when Lardass' plan really started to work. Girlfriends barfed on boyfriends. Kids barfed on their parents. A fat lady barfed in her purse. The Donnelly twins barfed on each other. And the women's auxiliary barfed all over the benevolent order of antelopes. And Lardash just sat back and enjoyed what he created. A complete and total barforama. today. Why, hello, it's six minutes and 18 seconds after the hour of 11 and this is the month of June of the year of our Lord, 2008. Thank you for coming along and making a part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970. This, my friends, is the Rick Emerson Cavalcade of Amusement. Uh, thank you for joining us today. It is Friday, and welcome to Day 12. My microphone sounds fantastic. Listen to that. That's flawless. Perfect. This is, you know what it is? Here's the thing with my microphone right now. This is like when you get a perfect haircut, and you want to get a photo taken of yourself from every angle. So the next time you go back in, you can just flip open your photo book, and you can say, give me this right here. This is how I wish to look. This right today is how I wish to sound every single day for the rest of my life. So wherever the microphone, I wish we could just freeze the mic processing in amber somehow. It just it sort of capture all the settings the way we have them now. Well, in any event. All right. And hello. Uh, if you would like to join us today, it's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. 503 With your comments, questions, clarifications, conventions, two cents, uh, what have you. Richie Bristol standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along your observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, the mundane. I'm not even really sure that that's true. I say that out loud now, but I don't really know that it's accurate because I think... I don't even really know that Richie can screen call today. I think his computer has actually been physically taken away from him. So is it going to be like in the old days when I had to call screen with little bits of paper? I don't really know. I'm looking down at the phones and I can see him cycling through the lines to make sure that they're open. Let me make sure that... There we go. So the phone lines are open. I'm not entirely sure whether the calls are going to be screened today or not. Because there was that old thing where they were... His computer was... He was doing that frustrating thing where every day it would just run a little bit slower than the day before. And he would delete things and alter things and move things and uh, try to clean things up. And then the computer just, it was like some sort of a record that was slowly winding down. 
And so every day the computer just ran slower and slower and slower. And I think they did a virus scan like three, four, five days in a row, which had the uh, it had the, the, sort of the sum effect of doing absolutely nothing. Um, so I know that Tim doesn't have these problems at home. Um, I, don't forget, I do have a laptop, and I do have that McAfee thing on it. Uh-huh. And I drink a whole coffee before it's ready to go. <laughs> I take it with, to one of those coffee places at the uh, streets of Tampa's Port, and I plug it in. And I order a 12-ounce coffee. By the time I'm done, it's finally ready it's to go. finally finished booting you? up your system. Yeah. Yeah. I've got this thing at home. Here's the thing about my Windows I've got a PC at home. i got this thing at my, uh, my PC that I'm afraid to press. Every time it comes back from screensaver mode or sleep mode, or you know, like I'll go to bed at night and I wake up in the morning, and sometimes I'll check my email, or sometimes if I'm, you know, whatever, just I'll double check something I've got running on the computer, and I'll open it, and there's this window that's appeared in the bottom right-hand corner of my computer at home for, I would say, I don't know, the last six or seven weeks, and it says, I swear to God, it says, there are 85 updates ready for your computer. Press here to install them. And I don't, I mean, maybe maybe I need them, maybe I don't, but the computer just continued to run more or less fine without them. I just can't even imagine what it's going to do to my computer and how long it's going to take to install 85 updates to my Windows. I mean, installing one, in, installing, you know, installing a screensaver on your Windows computer sometimes just seems to take just like a disproportionate slice of your life. And I only got 85 years on this planet, give or take, so... I think I'm going to wait to install those up. I'm going to do. I'm going to wait until Windows does that thing where it gives me no option, uh, where the no button is just grayed out, and I have no choice but to install whatever Bill Gates has decided my computer needs. Until then, I ignore it. Here's another thing I do sometimes. I don't. I would imagine this happens at offices all across the country. So this is maybe not local, except incidentally, but it probably is relatable. Here at CBS, and you guys probably get this on your machines too, where you'll come in, and it will say. It'll say you'll come in and there'll be a window in the middle of your screen, and it'll say something to the effect of updates have been installed in your computer. In order to finish installing these updates, you must now restart your computer. Do you wish to restart your computer now? I never wish to restart my computer. No, no one does. No one ever. I ask this almost not wanting anybody to call to answer it because I realize the answer is A, not going to make any sense to my small, feeble earth brain, and B, the answer's not going to change the fact that the problem still persists, so I almost don't even care if anybody calls to explain it. But why do you... Here's a question, Tim. When you update or install something on your Mac, do you have to restart your computer for it to take effect? It does restart by itself. Okay. But it, but it also, every Tuesday, it reprograms everything by itself. Well, isn't that nice? And restarts. Isn't that charming? Does it do it while whistling a happy little tune and, I don't know, knitting doilies to place around the house? <laughs> and I brewed you a cup of tea. All right, well, whatever. But so what I do is I'll come in, and there'll be that thing in the middle of the screen that says updating is almost complete. You must restart your computer for these updates. That, and how sad that I can do it from memory, because I've seen it in the middle of my screen 500 goddamn times. So Sarah speaks for all of us when she says that no one ever wishes to restart their computer. Do you wish to do it now? No, I don't wish to do it now. I wish to do it never. That's when I wish to do it. Am I going to be forced to do it now? Am I somehow going to be shafted into doing it by the fact that Windows will eventually just stop running if I don't restart it? So I will hit no, which will sort of placate the computer for, I don't know, 30, 40 minutes, and then it'll come back again like a... Uh, It'll come back again like a small child on Christmas Eve asking if it's time to open the presents yet. And you just say no, and you send it away, and then the child comes back 45 minutes later. That's what the updating window on Windows is like. So what I will eventually do, this is the trick I discovered. When uh, Windows demands that you restart your computer and you really don't want to, what I do is I grab it, and I drag that window all the way down to the bottom right-hand corner of my screen. 
and I stash it way down there below where it has the little clock running in the bottom right-hand corner where you can barely see it because then the computer thinks you haven't answered it so it doesn't you know it doesn't keep nagging you about it but it's completely off the screen you don't have to worry about it so there you go and I've learned by the way that I'm not the only one who does that there's any number of people who does that upstairs anyway uh, well hi it's Friday it is day 12. Coming up today, we have a CNN radio correspondent, Lisa Desjardins, uh, who will join us today. We'll probably spend a little more time with her because it got so truncated yesterday because we had Chuck Polinick standing uh, like three feet from us. Truncated? You talked to her for like 15 minutes. Is that true? Yeah. Maybe that's just by Rick and Lisa standards. It seems shortened. I think there's a... Uh, that's sort of a... You know what it is? That's like one of Einstein's relative time things. Uh, so we'll have uh, Lisa today. We'll talk to CNN radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum. Uh, Scott Daly will join us in the studio today to review, I would say, unnecessarily, The Love Guru, starring Mike Myers. Uh, let's see. What else do we have coming up today? Uh, top five, because we spent a lot of this week talking about culinary and uh, food-based items and topics. We will have today the top five Weird Al Yankovic songs about eating. Uh, the top five Weird Al Yankovic songs about eating. I think we have, uh, yeah, we have Glorious Bastard of the Week. Uh, right here. Uh, we also have a, an, an additional copy of uh, Backlash 2006 on DVD. We'll play uh, Goth or Not for that. Um, and I think that's kind of a... Oh, and then... And then right here... I'm just going to go through... For no, in, no, in no particular order and with no real rhyme or reason. Just a list of the stories to which we have not gotten over the last... This is just in the last day. That's just in your hand. There's two more stacks in the oh, dude. room. Chris Paddock came in yesterday, uh -huh. and he was sitting here, and he was kind of getting ready to do his top five. And he said, so uh, are these some stories you haven't gotten to? And I said, well... And he was looking at this like the pile of paper on the counter in front of him. And I had to point out that that was one of, I think, five different piles... Each of which, and it's like this sort of stone, if you look on the countertop here, it's this kind of stonehenge of news. And eventually some of the stories become, it's, the pile becomes so large and unmanageable that I move it upstairs and I stash it in my office, which is sort of like Milton being put into deep storage in office space. There's a stack of news, no lie, there's a stack of news in my office that I would guess is four inches high. I mean, that's four inches of single pieces of paper. We're going to have to start giving it away to the homeless. That's what we should totally do. We should do a news drive for stations that can't afford to get news. Mm -hmm. There you go. I like your style, Tim. Um, that should be... I don't know if I, could, if I could write that off somehow in my taxes. But I'm, I'm giving sure. news and show prep to the less fortunate. So uh, we have here... Let's see. Isn't that what we do every day? Yes, we do. Yes, <laughs> we do sort of unintentionally. Um, let's see. We have the pufferfish mall's teenager's scrotum. I mean... Doesn't that seem like the kind of thing we want to talk about? Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with these stories. See, so you know what these stories are like? These stories... These stories are like when you go to the Humane Society and you see a dog that seems adorable, he seems well-trained, he's, you know, he's aesthetically pleasing, and you say to yourself, why would somebody not have this dog? Why would they give him away? Why would somebody no longer want to care for this dog? And you realize that sometimes just a circumstance is beyond their control. Just because of the way their life turned out, maybe they had to move, maybe it was an employment situation, maybe it was some sort of a blended family kind of a deal where another dog comes into the household and it doesn't get along with the initial dog. Sometimes you want to keep the dog, the cat, the goldfish, the bird, the cockatoo, the whatever, but you just can't. You have to get rid of it. That's what these stories are. Pufferfish mauls teenagers scrotum. That's a fantastic story. There's no reason why we didn't read this yesterday except that there just wasn't time. All right, what else do we have? Couple finds 60,000 bees in wall of their home. Tenant saw honey seeping out of the wall and was greeted with a swarm reception. 
There we go. Swarm reception. How about this? Uh, TV chief, sorry for playing Nazi anthem. I think this is from Germany. TV chiefs have apologized after broadcasting the Nazi lyrics to the German national anthem during a Euro 2008 march. How about this? I have that same stack in my office. Really? Do you have this thing about the toy that they've had to ban in Australia because it, uh, because the whole point of the toy is to set it on fire and then kick around the room? That is smart. All right, we've got that. What else do we have? Uh, man tired of paying for wife's sex change operation. How about this? Visitors can't get enough of Hitler tours in Munich. Uh, let's see. Ex-teacher charged in sex case. Eight male victims identified. Hundreds of text messages seized. I mean, it's just... It's just, it's overwhelming. Um, how about this? I got two more here, and then we'll talk about what we're going to do today. Let's see. Okay, here's two additional stories. Warning preceded office nail gun attack. So there's that one. And then finally this. Man claims he's, quote, seen the queen naked. Oh. The... They're all great There's nothing. There, there really is. This must This must be what it's like to be an A&R executive. You know what I mean? Bands come in and they give you a demo tape and you want to sign everybody, but you just can't. All right. Well, we'll try to get to some of these today. Tim Riley is working on the following stories for your edification as well. Another person has been attacked at that same Mac stop that was the scene of last week's assault. Oregonians cut gasoline use by 10 million gallons. I don't know how they figured that one out. Just to make matters worse, many gas stations no longer accept credit cards. Fireworks go on sale Monday. A man loses 80 pounds by eating a McDonald's. Uh, pantyhose is disappearing from the American office as it falls out of favor with today's women. And national outrage over the pregnancy of those high school girls. I'm starting to believe that some of the story may have been made up. Well, I sort of, here's the thing. When you, <laughs> with the sex with the homeless man and whatnot? When you had the story yesterday about the 24 girls that made a pact to become pregnant and then it worked Wait, 24? For, 24? I thought it was four. No, oh. it was 24. Oh. Oh, no, four girls getting pregnant isn't news anywhere. That's not even news in my family. This is, the 24 girls. Wait, is that right? There's 17. 17 girls, but the homeless guy was 24 years old. That's where I'm getting Correct. that number from. So, so seven, he was robbing the cradle. 17 girls. 17 girls were, um, he was filling the cradle, Tim. Uh, 17 girls were made, made a pact to get pregnant, and then one of them got uh, buggered by a homeless guy, uh, and that's how she became knocked up. And I sort of instinctively believed that the story was false, but then I sort of willed myself to believe it after that, because it's just fantastic. The like as I think, did three hours on it yesterday. Well, we're going to do some more on it today, and I have sound for it, too. Wonderful. Excellent. Um, so, and this is all true. Um... Joining us today, as always, Sarah Dillon. Hello, how are you? Hi. You're looking good today. Oh, thanks. I dig that shirt quite a lot. Thank you. Yeah, it's like a weird... I got this at Gen X Clothing. Of course you did. I love Gen X Clothing. It looks very professional. Hello. <laughs> it does, how, does it? How are you on this Friday? I'm doing well. I had my uh, water aerobics last night. Now, is this like a three times a week kind of a thing? Uh, two times a week. Have you paid for a whole... Um, do you pay as you go, or do you have no. you pay for months in advance? See, like most things in my life, I fear commitment, so I just pay day by day, even if it means I pay a dollar more. Good for you. <laughs> so, yeah, so um, I went with a couple of my girlfriends last night. So it was me, Lisa, my friend Angela, and then like 30, like 80-year-old ladies. Excellent. That's it wonderful. It was really fun. Now, when you, I mean, the thing about, I think the thing about old people is, old people, 
There's really nothing cooler than a cool old person. I will say that. There's an 80-year-old lady who was, uh, the same lady who was there on Tuesday, who's like, she's turning 80 like in a couple of weeks, and she had like a leopard print bathing suit, and she's like, you whippersnappers go in the deep end. I'm not moving from the show. And she was really cute. <laughs> Wonderful. Right? Those would have been the women of Mad Men. Exactly. That's a weird thing, by the way, when you think about that. Uh-huh. I mean, I know they were active and bodily functions that younger people are today. <laughs> yeah, it's a weird mix. It's like, it's, it's classy older ladies, it's morbidly obese women, and then like this one creepy guy who just swims in the corner of the pool holding on to like his like floaty weight things and just stares at people. Does he have water wings on too? He's totally creepy. With a toothpick in his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> totally. I, uh, that's a weird thing when you think about it, by the way, when you watch Mad Men. Because didn't we figure this out? In fact, I, this is why we're talking about uh, Mad Men a lot, uh, at least like Susan and I were talking about it this morning. Because I think the 23rd, I believe. The 23rd of this month, right? Uh, July. Or is it July? Okay, so it's, I mean, it's, it's, like, it's like four weeks away. It's on the cover of Entertainment uh, Weekly. If you look on the cover of this month's uh, EW, it's Don Draper and what's-her-name, that uh, that Joni girl in the office who's getting it on with, uh, what's-his-name, Roger Sterling. Oh, yeah. Um, she was also on on Firefly, by the way. People may remember from that episode of Firefly where she was the slave girl that then uh, tried to kill Mal at the end and whatever. Um, so, but, you know, we were talking about Mad Men a while back, and you realized that, what year does that take place, 61? 61. 61, so that's, what, 47 years ago. So you realize that, so you realize that Don Draper would be 80 years old right now. I mean, if you assume he's in his 30s, which I would imagine he is, you assume that means everybody on that show is 80 years of age. And you don't really look around right now at the average 80-year-old person just imagine them having a lot of hot sex on a desk at work. It's just, it's not a thing that your brain really conjures up all that easily. Here's another thing I was thinking about the other day in terms of age. Do you realize that Indiana Jones, if he were a real person, would be 100 years old? That's a weird thing. You don't think about Henry Indy Jones being a century old. All right. Um, well, I think we have... I'm unclear about whether Richie can screen these calls or not, so I think there's probably only one way to find out. Uh, here. Richie Bristol, can you join us in the studio, please? Hello, Richie. How are you today? Good. How are you doing? I am fantastic. All right. Are you able to um? Are you able to screen our calls today? I can screen them, but you won't know what they're about. Unless somebody Maybe uses I'm... some of that momentum that I know that they have and uses their sticky notes and just post it. Wait, That's so you can have to do. Oh, you can screen them. Oh, you there. just can't. Okay, so you can pick up the phone and talk to them. You just can't put it on the screen right. here. So you would be obliged to walk down the hall and let me know what the Richie. calls are about. Or I guess I could go. There's a computer over there in the other studio, and I could walk back and forth. <laughs> well, I suppose whatever works for you. Is this like a one-day thing, or are you can have your uh, machine back on Monday? I should, yeah, I should have it back. All right, let's talk about a couple of things that Richie Bristol is taking care of that we'll be having uh, in the immediate future. So. Uh, first and foremost, what's going to be happening in this fine studio on Monday, Richie? We're going to have Reptile Man with a bunch of reptiles. I guess he's going to bring <laughs> some gators and stuff. Reptile Man. So reptile is this? Man. So he'll be bringing. Wait, so an alligator? Uh huh. Fantastic. Uh, oh. What else is he bringing? I'll make sure uh, not to bring Muppet. I asked yeah, him seriously. <laughs> yeah, I would, I would say leave your dog at home that <laughs> <Yeah>. day. <laughs> Doggy food. Uh, uh, he's going to bring Noisy. I asked him for very theatrical type of uh, noisy and scary and ones that bite. Thanks, Richie. Thanks so much. Did you, did you, did you, you asked me to bring that? noisy, scary, biting animals? <laughs> yeah. It's more exciting. Did you bring a kraken to work? Uh, all right. So that's so Monday, what, like 2 o'clock he's going to come in? Yes. All right. Is this the guy? This isn't the guy from the trailer park thing that Tim was talking about. Yes, it was. It is. Richie, did, Richie had to do some 
persuading you, but you worked really hard to get that. Yeah, he what, denied us. Really? Was times. he was he not into it? Yeah, he wasn't into it. Why? What was his deal? Has he he been... thought we were a wacky boy. Yeah. Show. Oh, did he think we were kooky? Yeah. I mean, we are. Let's have no but illusions about that. But I mean, they're reptiles. All right, there's fantastic. kooky and then there's kooky. And then, uh, this is not happening anytime soon, but uh, next month we're going to be, have we confirmed that we're going to be talking to Ariana Richards? Yes. And that is the girl from Jurassic Park. But more importantly to me, she's the girl from Angus. <clears throat> uh, and so... Uh, Angus, which is a, with starring uh, Charlie Talbert and Kathy Bates and George C. Scott and Ariana Richards. Uh, a much-loved but overlooked and not out on DVD film. And then I guess she's a singer, too, right? Right. She's and she a... lives in Portland. Yes. So, all right, fantastic. So we're going to have uh, her sometime next month. And I'm um, working on Weird Al. It's really? It's looking pretty good. Really? He's at uh, the State Fair. And he is? going to be in town. He's going to be here in August. i got to tell you right now, one of the best shows I've ever seen in my life. He's Flat out, buy, hands down. Remember, Richie, what he said to you, that he'll buy you some like really expensive bottle of uh, alcohol. I don't think he's on Weird the Al list. said that? No, I don't think that's... I've got the list right here. Did you say Weird Al's like one of your top people, though? But I've already had him. I've already interviewed him. I've already... Uh, I don't have the air check of it, unfortunately. It's one of those great shows that, like, you don't... Like, Tim and I talk about how we don't have any of our 9-11 stuff. Like, any of the... It, like, that whole day, uh, you know, and I think the few days after that, Tim and I were on the air, because, you know, after 9-11, which is, you know, historic and it, it sort of... Um, I don't know. It's a worthwhile document to have. And I think, and I would say, in terms of just straight news broadcasting, just some of the best work we've done, I got none of it on tape. Because, really, there's just no... Like, there was really no time to go, no, 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 hold on, i got to go find a cassette. I know that there's a terrorist attack, but i I got to go find a cart. Hold on. So I don't have any of that. I had Weird Al on the show a long time ago, years ago. I had him in the studio, I think for two hours. For some, like, insane length of time. I think he sat in the studio with me for the whole show almost. And I have none of it on tape. Uh, no, my big three gets for Richie are Alice Cooper, Robert Plant, and Stan Freeberg. Uh... And Stan Freeberg's like a thousand years old, so I wouldn't imagine that we're going to get him at any point. Uh, Alice Robert, Cooper. Robert Plant Snooty, and Alice Cooper has told us no twice. Do you love, do you oh, well, I'm on the third and fourth time. I'm actually, I'm hitting him from really? every direction. I'm going to, I'm going to bug him so much. Eventually, he's going to want to do it because he's tired of hearing my name. <laughs> get it out of the way. Just to get you yeah. off his back. I'm in his publicist, his management, his production yes. person. Sarah's anyway. three guests are Luke Perry, Jim Steinman, and David Lynch, and Tim's uh, three dream guests are Marie Osmond. Walter Cronkite and uh, uh, J- Jack Nicholas? Jack Nicholson, probably. Is what Jack Nicholson. Yes. Jack Nicholas, the golfer. <laughs> you should totally get Jack Nicholas and then make Tim interview him. I was just watching an episode of Family Guy the other day, that, and Luke Perry guest starred on it. Really? And he just seems like he would be so hilarious because it's all about him suing uh, Meg for slander or libel, whatever it is when it's written. word. What is that? Uh, that's libel. Yeah. What we do is slander. Because she writes an article about him being gay, and then I and that's like him just acting like a total douchebag the entire time, and then at the end, you know, it turns out he is gay. And I looked in the credits, and it was him starring as himself. So I think that we'd be able to get him. Uh, you know, it seems like he would be pretty. Handy. And at some point, we would be able to get. I would imagine Seth MacFarlane because they're going to be uh, they're going to be pitching the Cleveland show, you know, around. So that's a thing we could probably do. All right, well done, Richie. We're also going to have a midnight showing of Dark Knight. I'm sure. You say it now. You say it on the air, and then Don't, it doesn't happen. See, that's the thing is, you say it like now, that? and then it's jinxed. Have you been working with Susan on this? Uh, you yeah. kept her in the loop Starting on all yes. this because I know yes. that there's been some. There's been a whole lot because everybody and their mother is trying to do that. Yes, that's all right. How? Cl- Let me ask you this: on a scale of one to ten, how sure are you that we'll have a midnight screening of The Dark Knight? It's Richie. Ninety-six point eight. That's not a scale of one. To- all right. <laughs> oh, all right. Nine point six eight. Thank you, Richie. All right, Richie Bristol, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. All right. Oh, well, it's Take Your Dog to Work Day. Is it? 
Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of every day here. So. I suppose so. All right. Uh, well, let's take a break. I we'll have come my back. little angel here today. Around the corner, uh, we will have, uh, let's see, Lisa Desjardins, Steve Kastenbaum. We'll do the, the uh, new news hour. Top five Weird Al Yankovic songs about eating, goth or not, and more. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Don't... <laughs> You know, that's funny. If I was going to form another band, that's exactly what I would call it. Okay, we don't interpret that. Like having it. It's funny. No, I know, I know, but don't say it in the air. Are you afraid somebody will do it? Probably. All right. Be like, it's like that band, like Eve's Plum. All right. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Coming up here in just a few moments, we'll talk to CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins. Uh... Later on, we will have uh, Steve Kastenbaum joining us here. Uh, Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Later on, Scott Daly will be here to review. Don't get me wrong. I'm glad that Scott Daly comes in with actual reviews now and again because there was this whole period of time where that wasn't really happening. But it's like when he does come in, he's unfortunately saddled with reviewing. Uh, what was the last thing he had to review? This is a, the, the, you don't mess with the Zohan or whatever. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Whatever the name that of that Adam movie was. Sandler movie. And I don't even which, and I don't even know how it performed. I think it opened you know, like number three or something, and then sort of vanished. And then today he has to come in and review this god awful Mike Myers film, the Love Guru thing, which, which looks so it terrible. Looked, it looks awful. <laughs> and I know somebody was wasn't someone saying how like oh well he did the Austin Powers uh, like you know shtick thing, but you know I am alone in not ever finding the Austin Powers movies funny. Um, and I know that that makes me a bad. I know I, mean, I find them entertaining, but not funny. I just man, it's like I. What was the Austin Powers thing? Was that the thing where the movie opened essentially with him taking like the two minute whiz or something? And I remember just sitting there kind of watching it going, uh, okay. Uh, and I just, and I think by about halfway through that I was just sort of mentally, I was sort of mentally checked out in any event. Um, so, uh, so I think it's kind of like an 8% or something on Rotten Tomatoes. But So Scott Daly will be here uh, later on to review that. Uh, what else do we have? We'll do the uh, top five Weird Al Yankovic songs about eating. Uh, and uh, let's see. Oh, and the Glorious Bastard of the Week. And we didn't do, I meant to do um, Goth or Not yesterday, and we didn't get a chance. Uh, so we will do that today because we've got an extra copy of Backlash on DVD. Uh, let me say this real quickly. And then we'll talk to Cena Radio correspondent Lisa Goddard. Uh, I don't know what you're doing tonight, uh, but you should be seeing uh, Emerson Starship. Uh, Emerson Starship are going to be playing at uh, 9 o'clock tonight. Uh, I think, let's see, where are they playing? They're playing at uh, American Cowgirls tonight, 9 o'clock. Uh, Richie hangs up there. And that's that place. It's um, it's uh, That's right across from the convention center. Is that MLK or Grand? It's MLK because Grand goes the other way. So it's on uh, MLK right across from the convention center, American Cowgirls, the fantastic uh, Emerson Starship, uh, who you most recently saw at Listener Party 11. Here's the great uh, bit of copy that uh, that Andrew wrote for their like their MySpace message or whatever that went out. This is I'm just going to read this right off the page. This is how Andrew wrote it. This is uh, Andrew, who is the drummer and band leader. Sarah, are you hungry like the wolf to get out this Friday and dance on the bar to the hits you remember? Are you jonesing for a night out partying like it's 1999 with the girls, girls, girls? Is your boyfriend jealous again? Leave that heartbreaker behind and talk dirty to me instead. It's time to fight for your right and rock and roll all night, Sarah. We ain't talking about love, you crazy bitch. We're talking about rock and roll. Friday, Friday, Friday. Come get pretty effed up at American Cowgirls and let Emerson Starship rock you like a hurricane. Leave your mother, mother at home, grab your gin and juice, and let out your best rebel yell. Are you going to go my way? Bam! 
Welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show. From the Hill, CNN Radio correspondent to the stars, Lisa Desjardins. Hello, how are you today? Hello, how are you? I am fantastic. Uh, wow, zippity-doo-dah. Well, I'm not really feeling that fantastic. I'm feeling just the, just the slightest bit mentally untethered today. Not in a scary fashion, just in a sort of, you know what it is? It's like uh, when you see one of those old-school films of the dirigible uh, sort of moored uh, somewhere by the one, uh, by, by the one rope. Yes, yes, I feel course. like the dirigible of my mind is sort of moored by one rope that is sort of starting to unspool and fray a little bit. I don't exactly know why that is. I'm imagining a bicuspid uh, that has it, clearly one of the four sides is gone and the other three are just hanging on and you're poking at it. That's kind of what it is today. So, <laughs> in any, but I think it's because I've had, I think I've had, like for the last few nights, I've had about 45 minutes more sleep. Uh, each night for the past four nights than I normally would. And so I am doing the opposite of what I sometimes do. Occasionally I will accumulate what doctors will call a sleep deficit. But I think I have some sort of weird sleep surplus going on in my head, which means that I've got a little more energy than really I should be allowed, like responsibly speaking, to have. Wow. I I mean, have you been keeping a sleep journal? This is really some scientific statistics I feel like we're getting into. No, but can I tell you this, that Benjamin Franklin kept a sleep journal, and I've been tempted to do it. Benjamin oh. Franklin kept this really like... He did. If if Benjamin Franklin were alive now, it's always interesting to go back and look at those, um, look, look at people from the past of some note, uh, and to sort of analyze now with the endless benefit of hindsight exactly what personality or person uh, personality disorders or defects <laughs> or, or conditions they may have been dealing with that there was just no name for at the time. Right. Uh, I always go to sort of the uh, I always go to Vlad the Impaler for this, strangely enough, because <laughs> fantastic. Because you got Vlad the Impaler or Vlad Dracul, uh, who was the leader of uh, of Romania for some time, and and did in fact have a big scary castle. Yeah, and clearly when you look back at that, you just realize, I know I'm so. I'm now inside a thing, inside a thing, inside a thing. You know, I feel like I need to pull you back out. Back to Ben Franklin. What do we know? What do we know about his sleep but, pattern? But watch this. Behold how I can work my way back. Okay. All right. I'm ready. It's like that statistic that I think Sorkin worked into a West Wing script one time where he said that one out of every 40 men is a cross-dresser in this country. And we've had, I think at that point, he said we had had 41 presidents. So, <laughs> you know, the law of averages being what it is, there was probably somebody walking around the Oval Office in pumps. And so... Right. Although J. Edgar Hoover almost almost counts. J. Edgar Hoover and Clyde Tolson, um, who for, who because of Oliver Stone, whenever I picture J. Edgar Hoover, I just picture him sitting on like a reclining chair by the pool while uh, you know while a waiter comes by and eats a slice of apple out of his mouth. Um, <laughs> and so then I think about Vlad the Impaler sometimes, and I think about well, you know, if there are any number Bye. of any any number of European dictators over the years. I mean, the law of averages just. Uh, the law of averages just says that at a certain point you'll get a guy who probably is a serial killer running an entire country, which is that guy. Um, That's true. I feel like, I feel like this this leads down to a, a very clear explanation of what was going on uh, with most of the royal families yeah, in the I mean, 18th century. That's what I mean. It's, I mean, it is it, 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 crazy. People aren't just the guys sitting on the street corner jabbering to themselves and reeking of urine. I mean, <laughs> occasionally they are in fact put in charge of the state economy and military. Yes, so yes. Ben Franklin, if you look at him, was obviously. Uh, obsessive compulsive in some way uh, had you know a lot of really weird sort of freakishly complicated perfectionist traits and he kept a log of everything he did everything he ate everything that he consumed in liquid form I don't know if it's drunk or drank uh, and all the sleeping that he did and I was at Powell's bookstore the other day and they actually sell a log 
I don't know if it's pattern on Ben Franklin, but they actually sell a journal made for people like me that does allow you to actually track every single thing you do every Whoa. day. Wow. I guess, and the goal is to then stand back at some point and see a kind of overarching pattern to your life. Wow. Because I know Ben Franklin's thing, too, was as he when he was, uh, I guess, becoming an adult or trying to become a better adult, he... Uh, was very trying to become very aware of virtue versus vice, and he decided he was going to conquer his vice in part through this journal by writing down and by you know by I think every day or every week trying to conquer a single vice and writing down meticulously uh, the days that he did or did not accomplish his goals. He was sort of the uh, he was the Saint Augustine of the American political system. He 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 tried to be although in reverse it seems like he almost he kind of. Uh, he, he did the drunk wild party thing on the end. Was St. Augustine, was was he the one to whom the phrase, um, Lord, make me chaste, just not yet, is attributed? Oh, that's great. I don't know. I don't know if that was him. Yeah. All right. And he's a doctor of the church. I don't know. It's entirely possible. Anyway, so... Um, okay, so yeah, so what, what do you want to hit today? We've got uh, all kinds of things. We've actually got... Votes happening on a Friday in Washington. It's so rare. Well, and so yesterday we were, we were talking about the fact that, that just because the Bush administration has sort of managed to kind of run on the clock on a lot of things, uh, you know, this funding sort of goes through in which there's no restrictions, there's no, or there are very few restrictions, right, on this, this $165 billion that's going to go through? That's correct. And but for the, the war money, there are, are very few restrictions on it. There uh, is some restriction that uh, Iraq... Reconstruction money must be matched by the Iraqi government itself, but the actual military money, there are relatively few restrictions. And there are, and I know you sort of touched on this yesterday, and we were kind of under the gun because we had Chuck Polinick, who was, who was coming into the studio. And the, But a lot of this does, it, this includes a lot of domestic stuff, too, right? Because there's always these guys coming back uh, from some tour of duty or something or other, and you hear all of these stories, whether they are apocryphal or not, about... Vets coming back and just kind of getting the short end of the stick in terms of uh, post-military service or post-active duty service, uh, and and whether the money just kind of isn't there for them. And this, a lot of this, is earmarked for domestic stuff, is it not? Not a lot of it, but some of it, and that's what Democrats are saying. We signed on to this. They're not saying it so much as they just did it. They did sign on to it as part of the deal. They got some domestic spending that they wanted, and you're right. Uh, one part of that is money to uh, help. It's, they're calling it the new GI Bill, but I wouldn't be surprised if we have yet another new GI Bill next year. This is the latest one, and essentially it provides funding so that returning veterans can get four years' worth of tuition once they come back. But the bigger uh, domestic spending in this bill is on unemployment, and that's we talked about that a little bit yesterday, 13 additional weeks of unemployment benefits for people who are looking for jobs. And, that is not, and that's not just for folks who, who lose their job or, or who are sort of called out of their job because of the military. That's just, that's just plain folks, right? Well, you know, it, it's true. It's, it's basically anyone who's looking for a job. But the, to get unemployment benefits, obviously, you've got to go to the unemployment office and you've got to file. And I think you have to meet their requirements, which I believe include you have to prove that you uh, – tried to you, you searched for three different jobs in a week and and they have very wide parameters for what that means you can just print out uh sort of a, a google search even in your area of jobs or you can get someone to sign that you did talk to them see if they had any jobs you have to inquire three times in a week about jobs and you have to prove that you are able to work and that you are 
really looking for work. Let me just tell you this. As a man who's been on unemployment in his life, really, the key here is when you file with the unemployment office, for those out there who are maybe anticipating a time when you are jobless, the, <laughs> yes. the key when you when you sign up for unemployment benefits is you go in. Can I just tell you this story? This is absolutely true. We, uh, we with The last time I was uh, unemployed, I go to the unemployment office, and I'm there to sort of, uh, which is like, it, it, imagine... It, it is sort of like the double stuff Oreo of 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 like the, the the government line. It's like as though you'd taken all of the weirdest looking people at the DMV and put them all in one place. And so I'm there and I'm in line with the unemployment thing and we're sitting in a room and they give us a video presentation. I swear to God that actually teaches us how to use a phone so that we can call up and register for our unemployment benefits every week. And it's. You know, if you have looked for work this week but have not been hired, press 9. And then on the screen, there's like the full-on slow-motion video of a finger coming into the frame and pressing the 9 button. And this, and here's another thing. This is absolutely true. When I was there in the, um, whatever, it's like a little conference room where they're teaching us how to use the unemployment system. There was, no lie, a guy sitting next to me in his bathrobe. He came to the oh, unemployment, like full-on Big Lebowski style, came in, in his bathrobe. And was sitting there, and you got the feeling that he he viewed the whole thing as sort of an intrusion into his daily slack, uh, you know. And the that key, great. the key that I learned when you're registering for unemployment benefits is make your job skills and qualifications so unbelievably specific and and specialized that they can never find an interview to send you on ever. <laughs> well, there you go. That's good. So this is this is a double hit of advice. Yeah. The unemployed. So you know, and never... they've got 13 more weeks of that. I, I have to mention before, I don't know um, how close or far we are from running out of time, but at this moment, Scott McClellan is actually testifying before uh, a House committee, and I can uh, see uh, if I can pot him up for just a second. We'll see. Let's, let's listen in to let's, Scott McClellan. Is that shall okay? We? I'm sorry, I'm diverting us. No, not at all. Okay, all right, here he is. We know we may have. Oh, nope, sorry, actually, that's Keith Ellison questioning him. I had him for a second. Now, and about then... what is he okay. testifying? All right, here's Scott. Let's see. I mean, he certainly felt that it was the responsibility of those individuals going beyond their authority. Uh, blah, blah, blah. He's not, nothing. But essentially what's been happening all day during Scott McClellan's testimony is this really blatant uh, political trial where Democrats have again and again said, do you think that Karl Rove is a liar? <laughs> and Scott McClellan said, yes, I do. Excellent. What about the vice president? Yes, I think there's a cloud of suspicion. And then, of course, Republicans have said again and again, do you actually have any proof for any of this? And Scott sort of said, well, my own personal experience, and he's been on the ropes on that. But it really is a very strange hearing, and I stopped counting after somewhere around 40 or 50 the number of times that he referenced his book. I was really – is that uh, is that sort of like uh... – so like how Jerry Brown used to spit out the name of his website every single, like in the 1992 election. You can go to jerrybrown.com, by the way, and find out more about, is, so is Scott McClellan at this point, is he John Dean without audio tape? I mean, that's what it sounds like, right? It's like if John Dean had just said, no, really, you have to take my word for it. I see the comparison. Uh, you know, I think Scott McClellan uh, inhabits a very, uh, a particular place. I, I don't think that he is walking away from today's hearing looking any better than he did before because essentially he isn't giving any new information and this really it's become it's so obvious that this is just an excuse for democrats to try and blast the president it is such a political show that it, it feels strange for for scott mcclellan to be there and he's kind of he's playing he knows the plot line he's kind of playing into it a little bit too much and it's he doesn't really have anything to add now congress did 
decide to have these hearings. Scott McClellan had nothing to do with it, but he seems to be a very willing participant. And who knows what his motives are? He says he wants to get the message out that there is a culture problem in Washington and that the Bush White House uh, basically is completely uh, taken by politics, that they're not considering what's best for the people. He says that's his message, but he does seem to like to get into what you might call more personal attacks as well. As so, we, no question, he feels he was lied to and he was pushed out the door at the White House. He has some reasons uh, to be angry at this Bush White House personally, but this whole thing has is, is gotten a little strange. As we wrap this up, my final thought for the week, uh, and then we'll talk to you next week. Here's something the American people would watch. Uh, every night you take the political happenings on the Hill, in the government, uh, you know, whatever, across the world. You reduce them to a 22-minute sitcom acted out by puppets. Oh, my gosh. There you go. You can just chew, chew on that over the weekend. I think I do like the puppet idea. I'm just telling you, I know what the people like. Maybe 22 seconds. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Enjoy your weekend, Lisa. As always, hey, a pleasure. We will talk to you next week. Great. There they go. Lisa Desjardins, ladies and gentlemen. Fantastic. It smells like burning for a second in here. I don't smell that. I did first. Like, maybe the heat just kicked on. It's entirely possible. Uh, well, you know, and I think they're doing some soldering or something next oh, door. Oh, that could be it. They're, uh, they're building that, the, the jamming studio over there. So I think, they're, yeah, I think they're burning things or welding something or doing something or other. Hey, according to the spam, there's a girl sitting in her bedroom right now thinking about me, and she's horny. That's fantastic. Uh, let's welcome that over here. The Jordan, she say, it says right, says right here in the email. Hey, baby. I'm in my bedroom getting horny thinking about you right now. Well, that's wonderful. At least to the point. <laughs> She's concise. You know, girls can be so hard to read sometimes. Uh, hello, Steve Castamap. How are you today? I think she's trying to tell you she likes you. I do believe so. I think I have cracked her code. Yeah. All right. How's life in New York City? Okay, doing good. All right. So uh, I'm going to get right to the point here with this. Uh, so there's this whole the business about... Uh, this whole business about mortgage securities and there's all of this Bear Stearns fraud and arrest and everything going on. So please tell me that some guys are going to end up going to jail for this. These are the first two guys that we are aware of that are going uh, to face charges in connection with the subprime mortgage debacle. But they are not the architects of the subprime mortgage. They're just a couple of hedge fund guys at Bear Stearns, Ralph Chiaffi and Matthew Tannen. They are charged with, uh, they're indicted uh, on conspiracy and securities and wire fraud charges for allegedly lying to investors in a hedge fund that tanked last year. And it cost investors $1.8 billion, yes, billion dollars. And supposedly these guys had email conversations, and that's part of the evidence that they knew this hedge fund was in trouble, that it was going to tank. And yet, even while one of them took $2 million of his own dollars out of the hedge fund, they were telling investors, everything's great, it's looking good for this hedge fund, put more money into it, put more money into it. I can't even fathom losing $1.8 billion for somebody. I mean, I it just sort of, like. it staggers. I felt all bad that I lost CBS at television the other day. I mean, I can't, the, the idea that you would cost somebody $1.8 billion, I mean, at that point, I mean, the ones you've gotten to the point of losing, uh, you know, somebody a billion dollars. I mean, at that just uh, then it's almost you want to see see if you can run up the scoreboard. You know what I mean? Just to lose as much as you possibly can. See if you can get up to a trillion dollars. Why not? I mean, what are they going to do to you at that point? What what additional punishment could they possibly give you? You know, take take your salary, right? And it's sort of conceivable to figure out. You know, okay, here's what I make. 
and let's see how much more it would take to get to a million dollars. Okay, so you can sort of conceive a million dollars, right? So when you get to that, then add it, multiply it by 999, and then, right? And then you're getting up to uh, somewhere in the range of where these guys, you know, Blew it. It's just sort of like, and the idea that they have all these uh, email conversations is sort of reminiscent of you, if you've seen that Enron documentary, The Smartest Guys in the Room, where there's, you know, all of these uh, great, uh, these great taped phone calls from these guys at Enron who are cheering on like the California wildfires and so forth because it's going to end up benefiting the, you know, the, the energy business, and it, and it is also reminiscent of. I know about every 18 months or so, there's one of those stories where the cigarette companies have to turn over some raft of emails where they have some plan about, okay, and now we're going to start marketing cigarettes to fetuses. And they just decide to write all of that down and just keep it somewhere. Well, these emails are pretty damning if they're accurate. Uh, here's some quotes. Uh, these guys writing to each other, the subprime market looks pretty damn ugly. If we believe the report is anywhere close to accurate and uh, in capitals anywhere close I think we should close the fund now. The reason for this is that if the report is correct, then the entire subprime market is toast. But they didn't do that. They didn't tell the investors that uh, they saw trouble on the horizon. In fact, they did the exact opposite. Well, of course. Yeah. What would what would be the fun in doing the right thing, I suppose? Yeah. Well, the, the, they don't do that on Wall Street. It is very rare that they issue a do-not-buy uh, rating for a stock or anything like that because they don't want to panic people. So even when all the economic data is, is saying, you know what, this maybe isn't a good investment, you, you rarely see a do-not-buy order, uh, a do-not-buy uh, advisory issued by anybody. Well, it's deeply satisfying when guys like this uh, end up going on trial or to jail or something. So I'll be, I'll be watching that with interest and a bit of schadenfreude. Uh, and the, uh, the feds and the Justice Department uh, intimated that they will be bringing charges like this against many more people in the future. That's a reality show in the making. You mark my words. All right. <laughs> yeah. uh, do you have big plans for your weekend, sir? What am I doing this weekend? I don't even know. Uh, we've got the, oh, we've got like a friend's child's first birthday party. Oh, that's going to be a lot of fun. I would advise you to drink heavily beforehand. Yeah, the kid's never going to remember that we were no. there, so what's the point? No, no, it's just going to be a lot of bad cake and noisemakers going off in your ear. And the kid looking at everybody like, what the hell's going on? <laughs> the kid bursting into tears and screaming because all of the goggle-eyed adults are staring at him. Exactly. Right. All right. Well, enjoy that. And uh, that's uh, that's an enjoy in uh, quotation marks, by the way. Will do. All right. Thank you, Steve. All right, Hello. there you go. Steve Kastenbaum, ladies and gentlemen. Fantastic. Hello, Tim Riley. Hello. Do you have news for us? Yes, more than enough. All right. Excellent. Uh, well, let's take a break. We'll come back. Uh, if you're on hold, hang tight. We'll do some phone calls after this. And uh, I think I threw my pen and it landed on the phone. I wonder if I could do that again intentionally. There we go. All right, back after this, it's the Rick Emerson radio program. Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. So I think we're doing, I think our calls are all on screen today. I believe. Try not to abuse that. Ladies and gentlemen, the Ministry of Truth, this is your personal savior. It's time for the Rick Emerson Noon News Hour from AM 970 Solid State Radio. 
And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Now, another person's been attacked on the max. Same place as last time. Of course. Uh, so they're doing very well at stepping up the uh, security on the max. <laughs> Brownie, you're doing a great job over there. This is the max platform at Prescott and Interstate. Why, anybody on their right mind would want to ride this thing. Now, is this a person, they were on the max or they were at the platform? They were on the platform getting ready to get on the max to be attacked, but they didn't have to wait to be attacked. <laughs> they nope. got attacked before they boarded. So they're saving a lot of time by doing it ahead of time now. But in order to increase efficiency, they bring the attacking to you. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, so I guess um, Max said they're going to step up the security uh, effort by having the engineer of the train who safely away from everything tell the passengers he is calling the police. Next so time that, somebody is assaulted. So the next time, so as you're being, uh, as you're being like forcibly sodomized yes. on the platform, they'll be like, no, 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 I'm going to call somebody about that. You just stay there, okay? Just All right. low, but I am lying low <laughs> in my own blood. All right, bye now. <laughs> and then it just speeds off into the night while blood spurts out of your jugular. Meantime, you know, the guy with the, with the power washing holes arrives before the ambulance does. <laughs> exactly. Oh, Jesus. I mean, they ought, really, they ought to just start just putting like one of those, you know, it's like you'll go to a park sometimes and they have those like the doggy, you know, the, the, the bag dispensers to clean up after your pet. They ought to just have like a toe tag dispenser right there right. at all the different Max stations. I mean, instead of jumping off the bridge to commit suicide, just stand at a Max stop. <laughs> You're guaranteed. I mean, the chances are you will be killed or assaulted. Doesn't this seem like there's a kooky radio bit somehow that, that we're missing here? I guess we don't have to make one up. All I got to do is read the copy as it is. I mean, what would we do if we were if we were a stupid morning show? Would we like uh, you know what we would do? We would we really let's go stand outside of the Max platform at Prescott. <laughs> and then, then I am. Um... Or you know, or we would do it. I don't know. We would do. Wait, here's what we would do. If we if we were a nutty morning show, maybe we'd do this. Maybe we would go and uh, we would have chalk outlines of ourselves uh-huh. drawn on the ground at the Max station. You know, like one of the platforms or something. And it would be like like we'd have Sarah lay on the ground and we'd make a chalk outline of her. And then it would say something. And then there would be something with like we'd put it like a sticker yeah. or something there. Uh, there's something there. There's some sort of hack. The first person to attack us wins doing. a free burrito. And... <laughs> But it's hilarious. Oh. Susan, can you make that happen? Yes, Susan, can you put that together for us? All right. Well, okay. <gasps> Wait, how about this? No, 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 no. How about this? Uh, you know, do they still do the thing at airports when you walk through for like 50 cents you can buy insurance? You know what I'm talking about? Those machines? I haven't looked for that in a long time. I would imagine that's still there. They used to do that in the 70s where there was, it's probably not 50 cents anymore, but there was like a vending machine mm-hmm. where you put in 50 cents and it would spit out like flight insurance that was good for that flight only. Uh-huh. Uh, under the theory that eventually when a plane did crash, they already would have had enough safe flights that they were going to make up for whatever the policy was. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we ought to do this. Maybe at local max stops, yeah. we ought to put a display of either, uh, probably not insurance policies. How about this? Uh, maybe some sort of a last will and testament, like a do-it-yourself will. That'd uh, be great. We just put a big stack of do-it-yourself last will and testaments at the various Max platforms. And then it has the station uh, you know, logo on it. That sounds great. I like I'm it. just trying to be creative. Sarah's rolling her eyes at me. I'm... That's creative. I'm trying to look. I'm trying to uh, trying to channel uh, what like a uh, what like a saying, stupid your, your radio show. Your life isn't that good do. if you're sitting there waiting for the Max anyway. I mean, it's just depressing <laughs> to get on there. Just like whenever I ride the bus. It sucks. You know, yeah. you don't want to be reminded that, hey, you might die. I suppose. All but right. the, the good thing is, 
there weren't any attacks on the yellow line. Now it's joined the blue line and the red line. To make the green line. Yes. Never mind. That's an old Ziploc joke. Forget it. Um, so, well, all right. So so this was so this most recent attack was where? Last night. But it, where where was it at? Uh, Prescott Street maxed up on the yellow line. I don't even know where Prescott Street is. I don't even know where the yellow line is. Oh, the, the yellow line goes on interstate. That's the interstate okay. line. Yeah. Yeah. So this was, was it with like Prescott over like by Alberta or something? Yeah, someplace like okay. that. Okay. All right. Well, oh, you know, that's a, uh, I shouldn't say, you know, we have any number of listeners over there actually because, um, you know, we do our Wednesday night thing and Terry uh, was otherwise occupied. So this guy, Matt from the street team and I uh, went out and we were like knocking on doors, knocking on doors in that neighborhood. Are you knocking on the doors of Max Green? <laughs> <laughs> you there. No. Maybe that's what we should do. Maybe our next Wednesday thing should just be to go on a Max train. Just look for listeners there. That'd be great. Uh, should we take these phone calls? Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I think. Hey, where did my 20-sided die go? What? You know, I had the 20-sided... Uh, you leave it down here? I thought you'd bring it up. You know, I took it to that... Uh, we used it to that Dungeons & Dragons thing at Powell's. I, gotta, I bet they have the street team still has it. I'm going to get it back. I was going to use that to determine which call to take. Let's let the uh, let's let the fickle finger of fate decide. I'm pressing the next button. Hello, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello? Hello, hi, sir. Hi, my name is Dan. Yes, Dan, hello. Hello, um, I last spoke with you in, uh, I think it was spring of 2000, well, 2007. And, um, I remember that. Right, I know, that's why I'm bringing it up. Previously and, in the life of Dan. Yes, and we, we had a brief conversation about Barack Obama and Dennis Kucinich, and I realized... Over the, the dog does not the like does you not talking like about... Freely, the dog does not approve of Dennis Kucinich. Ooh, well. All right, hold on. Let me pull up a chair for a second because I can I can already sense this is going to be a high calorie call. All right, so we talked in the spring of 2007 about Barack Obama and Dennis Kucinich. Yeah, and and basically a short conversation about. Um, is this going to involve a... me being wrong about something? No, just the opposite. Okay. I'm I'm calling to um to uh, give you a little ego boost. Okay. Well, I thought about this over the past year uh, with, uh, along with Barack Obama's success. My conversation, my point was that he was not electable based on his name. It was not a good name. And you, you came out and you said you disagreed. It was a very strong name. Barack Obama's a powerful-sounding name. That's what you said last yeah. time. Yeah. And I was like, I don't think he can do it. And so over the past year, I've, I've thought about you many times. I said, you know, I've really got to call that guy and apologize. Because Excellent. Well, thank you. Right. Well, well, thank you for being uh, thank you for for being pure of heart and stout of virtue and calling it to do that. I, yeah, I, I think names do. I mean, you know, as I always said, and I was proven right on the Huckabee thing that a guy named Huckabee will never ever ever be president. Just as Frank Sinatra once said, nobody named Hubert. Uh, was ever going to be elected, uh, which is why Kennedy got in the office. So um, that's what I thought about Kucinich, and then I thought, you know, his his name almost rhymes. And I just don't think it's going to work. The Dennis Kucinich is, I mean, his, Dennis Kucinich's name doesn't even really matter. His name is neither good nor bad. It's just that he's so clearly in that case. I mean, that's a thing that people, you know, see. See also Ron Paul, by the way. So all right, well, you know, I'm glad things worked out. Uh, glad things worked out for me, and that, and I thank you for being a good person and calling I have one up and making that. Before I go, yes, sir. You know, uh, and actually, right about that time, you you guys were playing that Michael Jackson soundbite, the really creepy one about the marble. Uh, wait, hold on, I think I'm. <gasps> Do you have it? Oh, I wonder if I don't. I wonder oh, if I lost oh, that. You could play that. Wait, it's, hold on, let me look here. You got to revive the, it. It was delicious one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he put the what is it? The round blah blah blah. Yeah. He put the, yeah. he put the <laughs> it was he put delicious the round piece of candy in his you know, mouth. And, I, and the, no, don't say it. I don't know that I have those. They may be gone. Oh. oh well, I mean, I, I mean, I have that them archived at home somewhere, but they're right. not here. I don't, 
I don't think I have those Michael Jackson sound bites here. <laughs> I think those were lost in the great computer cleanup that they did a while back, but I'm sure that I've got them archived at home. I will find them, and I'll, uh, I'll play them next week for you, sir. Hey, Rick. Well, I don't have to call you for a year. I'm, I'm, I'm glad of that. All right. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. Keep All it up. Right. There you go. All right. That, that call was a, much more pleasant than I thought it would go. Were you anticipating a whole lot of, like, why do you hate Ron Paul? Totally. Um, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hello. Uh, it, Rick? What? What? Uh, it's Julia. Hello. Hi. Hi. I didn't expect to get on so soon. <laughs> and here you are. Uh, we're taking the calls randomly. Yes, go ahead. Oh, that's cool. I'm, I'm literally about two blocks away from you guys. And? I don't know. I just wanted to say hi. Oh, wait. Is this, hold on. Wait. Is this is this Julia the, the, who did the job shadow with us? Yeah, it is. All right. I'm waiting because we got like nine different uh, Julies who have emailed every every now and again. So are you, you wanted to come by and you just wanted to come by and sit on Richie's lap. You can admit it if you like. <laughs> Maybe I'm 18 now, so. <laughs> oh wow, that's awkward. <laughs> hey, Richie. I'm just kidding. Richie, why don't you get Timmy Ryan in here? I think we've got a new special friend for him. <laughs> wow. I don't know. I was just in the area and I thought I'd call. Probably this is probably not the ideal time for anybody to come by because if you walk down into the lower uh, part of this building here. Literally, there is, like, construction from one end to the other because they're actually tearing up. Like, that entire studio next to us is being made into a jamming studio. And then everything, and then the kitchen is, or the hallway is, like, filled with carpet scraps and construction uh, scraps and everything. So really that is, is that is Julia who, like, God, it's nothing to make me feel old. Like, two years ago, uh, who came in and did the whole, uh, like, job shadow with us. And, and I think it's actually now graduated from high school. God. It's like that guy that emailed and was like and said that he started listening when he was in second grade. All right, Richie, if you get a chance, you want to talk to uh, talk to uh, Julie there. I'm All sure right. he'll find the time. Thank you. Seriously, <laughs> especially because get around to it, Richie. As she was, she was happy to chirp that she was quote 18 now, which is you know, which is great. I'm glad when people cross the threshold into adulthood. But the first thing they think of is Richie. <laughs> Richie's sort of a door prize for turning 18. <laughs> You've turned 18. We're proud to present you with Timmy Ryan. I'm almost afraid to take any more calls now. Hi, you're on the Rick Everson Show. I was just wondering about the wisdom of offering a, a bereavement benefit with every max ticket. You know, maybe, you know, would you like to upgrade for another five months, you know? That seems like a thing that might bankrupt the city almost immediately. <laughs> yeah. All right. Happen quicker than Thank you. Thank you. Oh, speaking right. of trains. Those uh, new suburban trains, the ones that run on diesel, yes, they have luxurious padded seats like the Amtrak and Wi-Fi. Wait, what trains are these? These are the brand new trains that are coming into the uh, suburbs that are going to start in Wilsonville, go to uh, Tualatin, Tigard, and end in Beaverton. They have luxurious padded seats like Amtrak and free Wi-Fi. So, all right, they're unlike the Max trains. They call the West trains. They're an upgrade for the Max trains. I get there. It's Max without the murder. So, so it's. Um, but I mean, are these are these still run by the city? Are yeah. these still they're part of TriMet? I guess it is. So it is. Yeah, it is still municipal uh, public transportation. All right. So it's like the Jet Blue of. Uh, it's the Jet Blue of of light rail. Yeah. All right. Fantastic. So hopefully they won't have all the troublemakers on that, but we'll see. Are we taking more calls, or what are we doing? Uh, no, I think uh, at this point we're going to plunge on ahead with news. We're so unbelievably behind anyway. It's it like 1220 already. Stacks and stacks. Okay. So it says here, don't ask me how they got these numbers. Oregonians have cut gas use by 10 million gallons. That's made up. I know. How do they find this out? Much of the data comes from devices called loop detectors. You find them in the pavement of every freeway off-ramp. 
They count vehicles and determine how many miles we drive each year. That's kind of scary if they know that. Uh, so ODOT statistics prove that Oregonians drove 22 billion highway miles in 2007. It sounds like a lot, but it's actually 1% less than we drove in 2006. Wait, so how do they figure this out? By uh, grooves in exit ramps. I don't understand what that means. Oh, is that those little, uh, is that those like wires you drive over in the road? Uh, the data comes from devices called loop detectors. They're in the pavement on every freeway off-ramp, and they count the vehicles and determine how many miles we drive every year. Mm, all right, I don't understand how that works. Hey, here's a question. Like for cars. No, I just... <laughs> all I know, I, the only thing I know is those, when you'll drive down a road sometimes, it's usually like on a sort of... Um, it is usually like on a, a sort of arterial type road. Come lump, come and you'll, exactly, you'll drive over those things with those two black cables in the road. And I always figure that's there to determine a how many cars go by and b to determine the, the average speed or something like I that. I always just think it's them trying to figure out if they want to put a stop light or you know sign or something. That's in that true. Area. Um, you know, and here's a little fun fact: Bill Gates. That was actually Bill Gates' first job was actually designing the software uh, that ran those things. He worked at a company called Trapodata, uh, which is what did that. Here's a question I have for you, though, about grooves in the road and calculating and tabulating cars and so forth. Yes. I don't understand how a typical stoplight knows when there are cars waiting. Somebody told me that it can actually detect the weight of a car on the road. Oh, there are trip plates underneath. But I don't understand how that works. It's just solid asphalt. But the asphalt doesn't, but I mean, the asphalt doesn't bend, right? No. So, I mean, how would it know that a car is... It's, It's not that far under. It can feel weight. So the so the car is on top of the asphalt and it presses down yes. ever so slightly like an accelerator. So there are, so it does so it's not like I always thought it was like an electric eye thing or something on top of the stoplight. No, but it's not. It actually detects the weight of the car. Because I, I remember there there was one on the street where I grew up, and sometimes you would miss it, so you would back up and try it again till you hit it to make the light change. <laughs> did you have to? Did you ever have the thing in, in, your, in your town where like you could flash your high beams and it would turn the light green? No, we didn't have that. Yeah, we had that, and it lasted for about six months until everybody in town figured it out. Uh, and then I think they had to change it because I think there was, uh, I think there were any number of nearly fatal accidents because people would just start because there was, and it was one of those little bits of knowledge, not unlike how. Um, about a year and a half ago, everybody figured out that you could open up a kryptonite bike lock by using a ballpoint pen, and it just kind of went around the net uh, in like a YouTube video. There was this thing, I don't know, maybe 10, 12 years ago, uh, where if you were going toward a stoplight, they would have this little sensor on top, and the deal was it was there so that fire trucks or ambulances could turn the light green as they approached the intersection, and the ambulance would, you know, shoot out some... Sounds all Jetson-y. An invisible ray, uh, but not unlike the kind you use for your duck hunt game on the NES. And it would shoot out this ray that would hit a sensor on top of the stoplight and turn the light green for them. And it was discovered, at least in my town, that if you flashed your high beams a couple times at the intersection, it would turn the light green. And so, it would, and within about six months, though, everybody in the town knew it. And so what would happen is you would just, especially teenagers... Uh, who live on the edge anyway, would just speed recklessly toward the intersection, flashing their high beams, just sort of counting on science and the will of God to turn the light green for them. And then every Until now the and then... it all changed. <laughs> exactly. I shouldn't be laughing, but exactly until one day it didn't work anymore. <laughs> and then you there would was get... a tragic ending. <laughs> Limbs were found in nearby trees. <laughs> exactly. 
and he would get like seven cars all heading for the intersection from different angles, all flashing their high beams, you know, convinced that that was about to, you know, to turn the lights green. And then it was just like, it was just like one big mash. Oh, wow. Uh, by the way, this email says, hey, about the Max. Rick, the Prescott stop is below Alberta, right by the Bitchin' Wings place, Fire on the Mountain. That place is Bitchin'. They have the hottest hot sauce at that place. And I can, I mean, really, I can take some pretty hot uh, foods. Uh, they have the sauce called El Jefe. It'll kill you. It'll kill you dead. Um, anyway, he says, I took the train today, and I didn't ride my bike. And funny enough, they were actually hosing off the platform today, Tim. He says, I saw, ready for another one. <laughs> I saw the story before I left the house, and when I saw the hose guy at the stop, I just thought, yeah, glad I didn't get to see any of the leftover evidence. Go Friday, says, uh, says Nick. Not unlike that guy that comes out between dancers at a strip club with a big bottle of, uh, you know, like Lysol and a sponge. All right, here's Tim Riley. Well, they've arrested a Salem man accused of turning off the main water valves in the Marion County Jail and pulling wires in the building's walls. The jail's employees spotted the man after investigating a sharp drop in the water pressure. He later stood atop the building and screamed that he had defused a bomb inside and everything was fine. Uh, the man identified by the Sheriff's Department as 44-year-old Derek Benetz complied with the orders to come on down from that building. He's charged with criminal trespassing, mischief, burglary, disorderly conduct. Also, uh, let's see, he was released from jail in about an hour. The water pressure is back to normal today. A homeowner shot and killed an alleged intruder who entered an unlocked door and passed out on his couch. So I guess it was an easy shot. A woman at the house... <laughs> wait, hold on, hold on a second. Just, no, wait, the creep up, he won't wake up. <laughs> At least she's not wasting ammo. Uh, this house is in Sutherland, Oregon. Initially, uh, the woman called 911 to report the intruder. Sutherland police officers were dispatched at the address and arrived within seven minutes. However, when they arrived, they learned that the homeowner had uh, just called 911 saying he shot the guy and believed he was dead. They found Michael Smith dead on the couch in the living room. It appears he was shot just once with a high-powered hunting rifle. They searched the residence and will work with the major crime team to figure out exactly what happened. So Wait, exactly so he, what happened? The homeowner shot. He was just laying there sleeping. So yeah. he, so he broke into the house and just then went to sleep on the sofa. Uh huh. Now, can you just kill a guy if he's in your house? Mm, I don't know. The DA is working with authorities to, to uh, see whether or not the shooting is justified. It has to be just. So if he's sleeping, it really isn't justified. But I mean, you know, look, I'm a, I'm a big bleeding heart and everything. But if a guy's in, if a guy has broken into your house and is in your home, he gets what's coming to him. That's kind of my. I mean, if you don't want to be shot, don't break into somebody's house. Well, that might be true too. I, really, I mean, what do you expect? Uh, all right, let's see. We have. Uh, hmm. All right, well, let's try a couple of these. Hi, you're on the Rick. I think I think Richie's now once again able to screen. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. What's up? Hey, those stoplights. The, they work. They sense your car by magnetic. You know when you drive up and there's either a circle or a triangle in the in the pavement that you drive over. Uh, hmm. sure. Let's say that I do. Are you okay. saying it's in? Are you saying it's part of the? What? It's like in the ground. Yeah, it's it's in the pavement. Okay. Um, when you, when you, that is, uh, there's a wire that runs through that, a sensor wire. And when your car runs over it, because it's magnetized, it picks up your, the metal of your car. Therefore, it trips the sensor. Now, with this, now, now, now how would this work if you're on, like, a bicycle or something? Because occasionally, if you're on a bicycle at an intersection, uh, it, it, unless your bike has enough iron in it, it's not going to trip it. So, usually, what you have to do is, you know, that's why you see, Sometimes you have to push the walk button for the light to turn. Right. In the middle of the night. 
All right, excellent. Motorcycles have a problem with it, too. All right, excellent. Thank you. I like to know stuff, so thank you, my friend. Yeah, hey, and those uh, those uh, stoplights changing for the emergency vehicles? Yeah. That sensor worked off the, the, the light strobe that was on top of the vehicle. That's why the headlight, high beams worked. Oh, really? Yeah, so it was fantastic. Yeah, you could just dig, dig, dig. And the thing is, you couldn't just flash the high beams once. You had to do it a couple times. And the, yeah. light, the light would immediately turn green. Yeah, and, they, and they never really announced that they were going to be turning that functionality off. They just sort of sprang it on everybody one day. Yeah, oh. it, they, they, they worked for a while, and then they could reprogram them to for the strobes to have a different effect. You know, like two short, five long, or yeah. whatever. But uh, initially it went out to uh, just a GPS system. Excellent. Fantastic. Thank yeah. you, sir. Bye. All right. There you go. Uh, let's see here. Um, this guy uh, sends me a taunting email from Tigard. Rick, does it surprise you the Max will have luxury trains running through Tigard? We have all the nice things out here. Our streets are made of candy and rainbows in I'm, your face. Where is Tigard? Tim, where is Tigard? What is poetry? You keep driving down Barbara Boulevard out here and you will come to Tigard. It's like an endless strip mall that stretches almost all the way to Yanhol County. That doesn't sound very magical. I, I have to tell you, so when uh, when we first started doing our door-to-door thing on Wednesdays, the the first place we went was southeast, I think. The second place we went was like way out there, but like far out, like on 82nd, you know, and like Felony Flats and that whole area. And then just talking about just the weirdest juxtaposition. So one week we one week were at like like Flavel or whatever in 90th. And then we went to Tiger the next week, uh-huh. and it was, it was like I always say about like if you go to Tim's neighborhood, it's like being in some whole different world. I mean, really, it was it it, it was like dro- being dropped in the moon planet of Endor. There was just these huge trees everywhere, and just the sounds of birds chirping, and the magical tinkling of chimes, and the air smelled sweeter, and there were children either you know running by with unicorns. I mean, it really was it it really was just a whole different slice of life. I mean, it, it was just a you know, there are parts of of the suburbs that are just really sort of relentlessly bad and just all strip mauled. But the section that we went to actually was uh, was really nice. I've never been to Todd the Corpse's house, but uh, apparently he lives in some sort of palatial splendor in Taggart as well. The corpse residence. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. In my neighborhood, well, right across the street from me, last weekend there was a birthday party in the gazebo and a wine tasting party at my neighbor's on the right on their front lawn. Yeah, I don't get any of that. What I get is uh, I get a guy pushing down, the, you know, pushing like a shopping cart down the street, muttering incoherently to himself about the seventh sign of the apocalypse, and then I get girls pulling each other by the hair and fighting over some deadbeat guy in the apartment building next door. That's I get it. I get sparks on my back porch and a homeless man rifling through my recycling bin <laughs> out front. Oh, yeah, and then I got that guy that pooed in my driveway. I got that, too, so there you go. I'm afraid we don't have any of that yet. Well, today is the first day of summer. It's also the happiest day of the year for some reason. Uh, summer officially gets here at 4.59 this afternoon. Now, here in the Portland metro area, it's uh, solstice time, well, as it is everywhere else. But the sun reaches highest northern point at 1.12, so that's coming up shortly. Now, if you want to see the sun at its highest point, it is at 67.54 degrees from the horizon. What is it? What what does solstice mean? They use that word uh, twice a year because they use it in October or whatever. Or people dancing around a pole, isn't it? But I mean, is it? A, it well, that's no. They're just idiots. So, I mean, what is an actual? But is solstice like a scientific? Yes. Does that have something to do with the placement of the sun? Yes. What is it? You want me to tell you? Yes. Well, let me find out here. I'm just saying, like when they say it's the summer solstice, what? Yeah, I never know what that means, like the winter solstice, and people, like, celebrate it. Yeah, I mean, I know that it's just a bunch of people drinking mead out of a dragon horn or something, but I don't, I mean, I know what it means to people like my wife. It occurs twice a year when the tilt of the Earth's axis is most oriented toward or away from the sun. Okay, so it's when the sun, it's when we are the furthest away or closest to. That is true. 
The name is derived from the Latin sol, which means sun, and sister, to stand still, because of the solstices. The sun uh, stands still in declination, that is, its apparent movement north or south comes to a standstill. All right, so it's, so, it is, so it's the longest and shortest days of the year. Correct. That's okay. All right, fantastic. And so today is the first day of summer? It is. So this is the longest day of the year? I believe so. Is that true? I believe so, yes. I think so. I think so. Yeah, I went out last night and it was like 8:45 and it was still like blazing sunshine. It, yeah. It's really throwing me off. And it kind of, it's, and it, it, it totally it, it eps with you too. I mean, you just it, it, it kind of especially if God, I remember um, you know, I've known guy. I mean, I haven't had to work mornings for a long time, but I've known guys that had to work mornings, and it just sucked because they were trying to go to bed at like they were trying to go to bed at like 7:30 or 8 o'clock yeah. at night, and the sun is still blazing right outside their window, and you just feel like such a loser. You let me just tell you this: you will never feel, and this is for anybody I would imagine that works, um, you know, that works like some sort of weird shift. You never feel like more of a loser and more alone than when you have to go to bed at eight o'clock at night. Especially, and it's one thing during the winter, like if you're working a morning show and you got to get. I mean, we were talking to um to watch it to uh, PK from from Jammin who gets up. I mean, that guy gets up and he comes to work at like you know one in the morning or something like that. Mm-hmm. Preps, does the morning show, stays up, goes to bed like you know in the afternoon or whatever. They said they go to bed at like. Seven. Yeah, and I mean, you do that. I mean, it's like yeah, it's like you got to go to bed at seven or eight o'clock at night. It's one thing if it's during the winter time because it's dark, but man, it, it, when everybody else is like, "Hey, we're having a barbecue. Come on over and drink." And like, no, I gotta go home and go to bed. Thanks. And it's still like ninety-eight degrees outside, and the sun is always just pounding in your bedroom window. You just you never ever feel more socially inept or excluded than that, you do at that moment. That just reminds me of being younger. My mom always made Heather and I go to bed so early, and the kids would still be out playing in the cul-de-sac, and it's like seven thirty, and blazing sun still. And, we're laying in bed hearing everyone like play and hearing outside. their mocking laughter as they enjoy the midday sun. Yes. All right, here's Tim Riley. The Coast Guard says the crew of a fishing vessel has rescued a 42-year-old kite surfer who called for help at the end of Useless Bay. This is why would you be <laughs> in a place called Useless Where should Bay? We vacation? How about Useless Bay? I, I bet the real estate people are very happy about that. <laughs> this is uh, Northwest Washington, Whidbey Island. After that, let's just spend a lot of... Ooh, I lived on Whidbey Island. Spend the rest of the day in Crapville. I know. <laughs> so the kite surface problem was there was no wind. <laughs> He'd been drifting for more than four hours. <laughs> this, you know what it is? And that sounds like a whole lot of... That sounds like something you would say about an unproductive guy at work. That guy is just drifting in a useless bay. Let me tell you a thing or two. So, uh, yeah, they rescued him. He was wearing a helmet and a dry suit and refused medical treatment once on shore. Why would you need to wear a helmet? You're in the water. That doesn't even make sense. Well, he, he expected to be up in the air if there was any wind. All right. So uh, the next thing for the, uh, the the new iPhone is iPhone pornography. Apparently, fantastic. leading porn purveyors see the iPhone as a dream come true. It has a uh, relatively ample screen size, speedy web access, and ease of use. The device's miniaturized version of Apple Safari software simplifies mobile access and streamlines the process of tailoring dirty sites for optimal view on the go. It's by far the porn-friendliest phone, says a representative of the San Francisco-based Sin City Entertainment. We should totally get those people who wrote that uh, porn trap book on to talk about this. Oh, they should be our porn advisors. All right. So, anyway, so this is what? This is in the new iPhone or the five? The, the new iPhone. iPhone. All right. The, the brand new one. Wait, is that out now? Yes. When did it come out? We talked about it at length a couple of weeks ago. But I mean, was that? But because I wasn't planning to buy one, I didn't really pay attention. Is it hundred ninety nine dollars? But I mean, it's not like an upcoming thing. Like you could go into a store and buy that down. Yes. I thought you were going to do that. I thought you were going to get the iPhone. I was, but I, I had some uh, some unexpected bills, some reversals. 
Yes. <laughs> okay. I had to get my carpeting clean. Fair enough. Uh, well, in any event. So, all right. Well, here's the thing about that is that what you don't, really, what people maybe don't think about uh, is that pornography and video games drive all of these things. Every, when you sit down to use your computer, your handheld, palm top, laptop, any of these things, I would imagine 90% of the advancements uh, on your computer or on any computer-like device that you use have been driven by either video games or porn. Uh, the video games specifically in terms of sound and in terms of graphic accelerator cards, in terms of the way images are rendered on the screen, in terms of the way a lot of things are coded, and then certainly video games... Video games, porn, and music downloading have led to the explosion in broadband internet access. If it wasn't for Sean Fanning creating Napster, probably half the country wouldn't have broadband right now. So, I mean, so, porn. That, so porn, video games, and, and downloading music illicitly, uh, you know, that is what really pushes. I mean, you can thank those three things for giving us all the technology uh, we have here. So. Thanks so much. Now I want to go get it. Now I want to go use my BlackBerry and see if I can watch porn on it. Maybe I won't do that here. Maybe I'll wait. Wait till you get home. And isn't that your, like, fancy work phone anyway? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Maybe I'll uh, maybe I'll wait and do that. You know what I'll do? I'll just go to the store and say and say that I'm thinking of buying one. I'll just do that. On, I'll do it on one at the Verizon shop. That sounds. Good. I should totally. That's you know do that as like some sort. Of, here's another thing we do. We would do if we were a lame uh, if we were a lame radio show. That'd be like some sub Borat sort of bit where you could go in and. You know, just ask a lot of really, really, ask a lot of really sort of pressing and detailed and awkward questions about how well the phone will handle pornography. Can I navigate the internet with one hand? I mean, come on, you just tell we're you all men. You can get Timmy Ryan and do that in a second. We probably. I bet he's already done it. I feel kind of, I feel kind of bad that I just sort of generate all these terrible radio ideas and then I never do anything with them. I feel like at the, that we really ought to be putting them in some sort of pile, and then at the end of the day, be be selling them to some other show or whatever. Well, in any event, I bet he doesn't have that much fun on couple. Here's. Anyway. Use... You said that, Tim. I didn't say that. No, I'm sure he has a wonderful time. <laughs> uh, this just in. California's director of adult prisons is recommending against compassionate release of a terminally ill former Manson family member. Uh, Suzanne Hubbard, director of the Division of Adult Institutions, decided that Susan Atkins' request should not be sent to the sentencing court for consideration. Uh, the court, not the Department of uh, State and Parole Hearings, has the final say on whether or not she gets let go. She's 60 now. Wait, so there's, so but this is she's not even going to get. Is this just a recommendation, or is she not yeah. even going to get the chance? It's just a recommendation. She's not going to get it. She's not. Well, no. <laughs> it's, it's not is that happen. just your read on the situation? Yeah. Well, all she's right. Sixty. And of course, he's convicted in the sixty-nine slayings of actress Sharon Tate and four. There isn't a, a week that goes by that this doesn't come up in the news somewhere. It is probably something. Would you say that uh, that the Manson? Uh, oh, damn it! You know we had the chance. I wonder if we still can. Somebody sent me an Dr. email Charles the other Manson? day. No, no, nobody really has the chance to talk to Charles Manson. Um, the uh, although there was a time when you could send away and he'd give you a lock of his hair, and I kind of missed my Did window he, like, on that. Run out. No, I think they stopped him from doing it. I think the prison, they stop everything fun. The, uh, there was a time when you could write a letter to Charlie, Dear Charlie, will you please send me a lock of his hair? Uh, and then he would sort of giggle maniacally and go, Okay, Whitey. And then he would just like send you some of his hair. Um, so you can't do that anymore. I, uh, I, I read a whole thing about it. But um, what was I saying? We had, I think, uh, I hope the window for this hasn't closed. We had the chance to interview Vincent Bugliosi. Who, of course, was the Manson prosecutor. He wrote Helter Skelter. Because he's got some book out about George Bush or something, which I don't care about. But 
Uh, what was my point? Would you say that that is the most famous crime in American history? I would think so. I mean, leaving aside some nebulous definition of crime that would that would include 9-11. That, that's sort of a different thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is Hollywood. Any, anything L.A. or Hollywood always ranks above anything else. Let me ask you this. How what, this happened in Oklahoma, nobody would care. What would you say is uh, the more famous American crime in terms of cultural resonance, Manson or O.J.? Oh, Manson. You think? Yeah. Because it came, it came before that. And it, I mean, it is the gold standard of crime. It is, as Woody Harrelson says in The Natural Born Killers, it is hard to beat the king. So uh, he did, and he really is, I would say, maybe the first of his kind. I mean, not the first serial yeah. killer, certainly. I mean, there's, you know, there's Jack the Ripper and whatever. But I would say we, there was the Lindbergh baby, but that was sort of different because it wasn't quite so brutal and horrific. Would you say that the Charles Manson case, specifically the Tate LaBianca slings, which is kind of what everybody's talking about when they say Manson, would you say that that is the first sort of circus trial in America. Yes. Because, I mean, I, I obviously wasn't alive for that, but I mean, just the, 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 me, I'm, an unbelievable media frenzy. Mm-hmm. All right. So Susan Atkins not going to get it. No, she, uh, apparently she has uh, terminal brain cancer, and she also has an amputated leg. Or you, had an amputated leg. You know, the weird thing is that, is that Manson, you never hear about Manson having any health problems. No. You know, he just, uh, you know, just continues to live and just gets older and crazier and older and crazier. All right. Well, there you go. What are you going to do? Uh, somebody calling about Charles Manson. Do we want to take that call? Is it him? <laughs> I don't think so. Well, let's find out. Last train to Clarksville, cracker. Hello, hi, never you're mind. on the... Well, never mind. Maybe it was him. Should we do something else? Well, let's do what... Jesus, it's 1240. No, no, hell no. Let's All take right. a break. Much as I'd love to. Um... Let's take a break here. Back after this, more from Tim Riley coming up later on. Uh, we'll have uh, today's top five, top five Weird Al Yankovic songs about eating. We'll play Goth or Not, and we'll talk to Scott Daly about The Love Guru. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Show. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It is 503-733-2970. It's Friday. Uh, coming up later on, uh, Glorious Bastard of the Week. Uh, we'll play uh, Goth or Not. Uh, Scott Daly will be here to review The Love Guru, and we'll do the top five Weird Al Yankovic songs about eating. Uh, let's see here. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Radio Program, sir and madam, as the case may be. Amuse us. All right, Rick. This is uh, Frank. Uh, looking on Wikipedia, I was uh, doing some looking around and put your name in here. Yes. Are you aware that your page is being considered for deletion? Mm. I know that there's uh, some guy. This happens to us about every six months or so, and I think the same thing happened to Clyde, and I think the same thing happened to Aaron at one point. There's some guy who makes it his mission to go onto Wikipedia, because Wikipedia is the encyclopedia anybody can edit. So there's some, like, blue hair guy who makes it his mission to go on Wikipedia about every six months and scream that we're not important enough to have a Wikipedia entry. What a schmuck. Yeah, and Who so... Who to decide that? Yeah, I don't even know if mine's still there anymore, because I saw that that happened to mine, too, and I'm just like, I don't want to look, look at that guy's negativity, so I'm just... Yeah, and anyway, yeah, and so there's some guy who's like, Rick Emerson is not notable. I demand that his page be deleted. And then, you know, people will sort of vote on it, or whatever they do at Wikipedia, and then it either stays or it goes. So, I mean... Well, hopefully this guy will just go blow himself up somewhere. I'm glad you finished that sentence. I thought you were going to end that a few words earlier. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, it'll either stay or it won't. I mean, that's uh, it's kind of out of it. It's not my bait. I mean, I'm not saying I don't care. It's just, 
you know, I can't sit around and edit my own Wikipedia page to try to keep it. I know, that I have, would just I'm be scared weird, to look so. at mine. I don't even know if mine's still there. It pro- I think it says. I think the the claim the guy made about uh, my Wikipedia entry, which again, don't get me wrong, I'm glad to have it. And we should give give props. There's a couple guys, uh, our friends uh, Thomas Gill and Seamus and several other people, really do work to keep our Wikipedia pages updated and yeah. accurate and whatever. So it's very I cool. Seamus. But um, but by the same token, I just you know it's kind of out of my hands. I mean, the people on Wikipedia go fight about things constantly. There was a great. I saw this great thing the other uh, the other day. Somebody had archived. It was like on Dig.com or something. They had archived the five like most ridiculous Wikipedia flame wars, uh, which is sort of people, you know, edit wars, people go back and forth. And one of them, I think, strangely enough, we're talking about Weird Al, one of them was like about a Weird Al Yankovic song and something having to do with like the instrumentation or like one of the lyrics in the song. And literally it was like an editing war that went on for about 19 pages on Wikipedia. So people fight about that stuff all the time. It'll either stay or it won't. But uh, But yes, I am aware of that. Oh, greatest show ever. Thanks, Thank guys. you, my friends. But we'll all continue to live on. I mean, that's the thing is, you know, doesn't matter. Wikipedia page or not, I'll still be here. So, you know, whatever. Here's Tim Riley. It's an American epidemic. The economy is forcing people to make coffee at home. Now, last month, Starbucks reported a 28% drop in second quarter earnings. They said sales at U.S. stores had dropped, indicating many are finally summoning their inner scrooges to deal with rising food and gas prices. Coca-Cola also said last month, 20-something are no longer buying soda pop. A dollar fifty coffee drink, a bottle of soda each workday, for example, adds up to $390. Now that's $2 in some parts of the country. The habit has an annual price tag of $520. Over five years, that's $2,600. Unfortunately, pain is required for change, and now Americans are making coffee at home. You know, I, I, I have to tell you this, I've been making coffee at home the entire time. Uh, not not because I have some sort of dislike for Starbucks, although I don't care for their coffee, but just because, you know, I was saying the other day when I went to, uh, I was eating at breakfast at some place and the coffee was bad, it was just a bunch of like crap watery swill. It was it was the sort of coffee that you identify with, with, a, with a bar, you know, where it's just very thin and it's sort of been just brewing and it's turned into sludge. But there is no... Like we live, this really is a golden era for coffee. I mean, we are just we are all wash in fantastic coffee, especially here in Portland. So, I mean, you know, it's it's very very easy to make good coffee at, at your home at this point. You can kind of have it whenever you want. So, I mean, if you're out and about, there's no problem with buying it. But I mean, really, the, the the idea that it used to be, I think, that you had to go somewhere to get really good coffee. Uh, because it was not necessarily easy to buy sort of good whole bean coffee, and it, you know not everybody knew exactly how to grind it and what do you do. But we live in such a coffee centric culture now that everybody I think understands exactly how to make a good cup of coffee at your house. So it, I really view this as a positive step forward that one is able to make a good cup of coffee and/or I went to Siegfried's house one time. Yes. And like he and his brother have this badass house they live in. It's like this houseboat, boathouse, one of the two. What's a house that floats? Houseboat. Houseboat. Uh, and which is like the nicest thing I've ever seen. But it really is an astoundingly good house. Uh, sort of if, one of the rare moments where I looked at it and I decided that I might want to become a property owner. Um, but you walk into their kitchen and they have like the big, huge, towering, full-on. So yeah, I mean those espresso machines are all. I know Sarah works at Starbucks, so it's probably not the case for her. But they're kind of intimidating. When you look at those big espresso machines and there's just like spouts and hoses and dials and knobs and, and, and like the, the tubes and gauges and things and you kind of like it looks like almost like some weird medieval steam powered torture device. Uh, but I walked into his kitchen. And he said, "Rick, thanks for coming over. Cafe au lait." And I said, "Why, sure. Thank you so much." And then it was there, made, done, finished. You know, my mom didn't have that. 
You know, in the 1970s, we had to drink Folgers. That's what we had to have. All right. My mom still drinks with mocha, whatever that, that stuff, but like a big can. The, like a Nescafe kind Nescafe, of a thing? Nescafe, yeah. yeah. Many of Massachusetts are questioning that Time Magazine report that 17 Gloucester High School girls who are pregnant have made a pact with each other to all have babies and raise them together. The story has gained national attention and was the topic of many talk programs, including ours. Gloucester's high school pregnancy rate was four times higher than normal this academic year. Superintendent Farmer tells us more. Some of them were very clearly um, wanting to become pregnant or certainly weren't um, taking steps to avoid being pregnant because they were having multiple frequent um, pregnancy tests. Then there's Amanda, who graduated two weeks ago. She had a baby last year. She said the girls who wanted to get pregnant have no idea what they're in for. I've had girls say, you're so lucky. That's why I'm lucky. Because your daughter's adorable. I was like, well, there, there are a bunch of the moments where I don't feel so lucky, you know. Wow. You should save that for when your baby's older. I was just going to say, make sure you play that at your kid's first therapy session. Just huh? like when Angelina Jolie called her daughter a blob. Did she? Did she really do that? Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, that's like. Have you heard that? Uh, have you heard that interview with John Lennon where he talks about Julian being born from a whiskey bottle? No. no. Yeah, you wonder why Julian Lennon's so effed up. I mean, you know, I haven't heard from... anything about him in years. No, uh, uh, Julian Lennon. God, what a you know, I, I, what a Julian Lennon fascinates me. He really does. I am fascinated by kids who were born to. Really famous parents, because I mean, I mean, I suppose it's easy to say, well, you know, he never has to work, and his dad's John Lennon, and life is. But on the other hand, there ought to be like a witness protection program for kids of famous parents, don't you think? Yeah. Because he can just never. What could Julian Lennon ever do that would make people take him seriously for himself? And people can say, well, he's rich, their worst problems to have, and I suppose that's true. But it also can't be. It's got to be a drag just going through your whole life knowing that anything you achieve, no matter what you do. Especially if your dad is a Beatle, whatever you do, it'll never be enough. Mm-hmm. I mean, nothing Julian Lennon could ever do would be enough. Um, and I remember seeing there's this great uh, Chuck Berry documentary slash concert film that Taylor Hackford made called uh, Hail Hail Rock and Roll, which is sort of a, it's a sort of a biography of Chuck Berry, and then it ends with this all star performance thing. And Julian Lennon comes out to sing Johnny Be Good, and of course, you know, it's that thing where you on the one hand he's singing with Chuck Berry. But on the other hand, he's only singing with Chuck Berry because he's John Lennon's son, and because when he sings, he sounds a lot like John. And of course, he walks out, and you just feel so bad when he when he walks out on stage. So there's Chuck Berry. So Julian Lennon walks out on stage, and Chuck Berry says, "Julian Lennon, doesn't he look just like his dad?" He's kind of going, "Oh, sad." Um, so I've always wanted to. Um, one of those things I'll never do. I always wanted wanted to write a song for sort of like abandoned and 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 uh, left behind. Folks in rock like Cynthia Lennon. Nobody ever writes a song for Cynthia Lennon. Everything gets written for goddamn Yoko Ono. Who's Cynthia Lennon? John Lennon's first wife. Oh, okay. Julian's mom that he kept a secret and who he eventually abandoned. Uh, I love John Lennon and all, but uh, yeah, he was married to this woman Cynthia Lennon. I mean, it's the same story. You, you are the thing is, even if you don't know the story, Sarah, you know the story. They married young, had a kid. She supported him in the lean times, and then of course, hey, I'm famous. Boom. Mm-hmm. And there's this famous Beatle footage. Uh, where the Beatles are back from their first tour of America. Uh, it's on the, it's on the, 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 uh, the anthology. The, the Beatles are being interviewed, and they're talking about their first tour of the States, and the interviewer is talking to them about the, the reception and the, you know, the whatever. And so, John, as, you know, um, you know, uh, how does your wife feel about you being gone on tour so much? And Lennon does the most, it's like the biggest dick move you have ever seen in your life. 
I mean, he's, you know, this is his chance to talk about the woman who supported him, who's been behind him. John, how does your wife feel about you being on tour with the Beatles? He goes, who? Who? I'm sorry, who? Oh. And you're watching it going, oh, you bastard. <laughs> you're such a bastard. Um... Anyway, so there's this interview where he he in this he gave before he died where he's talking on KCMD Portland where he's talking about um, Sean Lennon, it was the kid that he had with Yoko, and he's talking about being a dad and being a rock star and whatever. And he goes, he goes, well, you know, the difference between Julian and Sean is that Sean was a wanted child. <gasps> what a dick. Yeah, that he uses that phrase. Sean was a wanted child, and you know, Julian was born out of a whiskey bottle. And you're just like. Could you be a bigger a-hole? Could you be a bigger bastard? Yeah. I mean, it's so hard to like guys like that sometimes because he's just, I mean, and maybe he thinks he was just speaking the plain truth, but there's plain truths that you don't speak out loud. There's things that are true that you just don't say. Uh, so, in any event, I had some other point I was going to make about Julian Lennon. Nope. Gone. Uh, oh, except to say this. So this is about those 17-year-old girls that had their 17 girls who had the pact to get pregnant. Yes. You know what's interesting about this is that nobody has tried to find, if this is true, nobody has tried to find the boys who impregnated them. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the sort of the interesting part of the story that hasn't been talked about at this point. All right. Uh, so the uh, school committee chairman from this uh, town of Gloucester, Greg Vergas, said... Uh, they're working on how to address this issue right now. I think 17 is a serious problem. I think one is a serious problem. You know, it's something that needs to be addressed, and how we address it has to work within the values of the community. Pantyhose popularity is plunging. As temperatures and the number of young ladies entering the workplace rise, the popularity of one wardrobe item seems to be on the decline. Uh, pantyhose expert Joy Weaver says fewer and fewer ladies are coming to the office wearing pantyhose. And Generation Y and Generation X, they're like, y- you know what? We've never had to wear them before. It's never been a problem, so why should we wear them now? These Sugar bel- booger. These belligerent women, including Abby, says she doesn't enjoy <laughs> pantyhose wearing. They're not really the most comfortable thing. <laughs> Joy says fewer women are wearing pantyhose. Especially in the workplace, the trend is no pantyhose. Megan says... I hate whoever that is. Megan avoids wearing pantyhose whenever possible. In and out of the office a lot, especially during the summer months, it's so warm that it's just a little bit more comfortable not to be in them all day. Don't forget, ladies, some situations still require the wearing of pantyhose. If you are going for an interview, if you are going to be presenting on a stage, make sure to use good judgment and wear pantyhose. Cover your legs. They're shameful. <laughs> good judgment equals pantyhose? That's Don't correct. let anyone see your skin, ladies. It's filthy. Seems to be going on over there. Oh, Mupp- it's a, every time you see Matt concerned. walk by. Muppet votes yes for pantyhose. Mm. All right. As we all would. So this is... I'm trying to weigh right now whether I want to discuss pantyhose or not. Oh, you know, you, know you, you want to. Well, I don't even remember. I, the last time I wore pantyhose was ironically for when I dressed up as Jan Crouch for the. Oh, religious. really? Yeah. yeah. I, I found this awesome suntan colored pantyhose. I mean, that. here's it. Because I don't really. Because I'm a guy, and so therefore the number of occasions on which I've worn pantyhose is, oh, I don't know, non existent. Uh, so what is the? what do they do? What is the point? Is it just to make your legs a uniformly pleasing color? I believe so. Well, it's like, yeah, it gives the appearance of, like, smoother skin. And it's also, like, it also doubles as, like, underwear, right? So it's like underwear attached to really long socks, basically. Wouldn't that be hot after a while? Well, I would think so. It doesn't breathe, right? 
What's going on out there? There's a dog out there in the hallway. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. Um, it sounded like a bunch of sounds, children and a dog. It's like no. people doing bird calls. No, I think there's another dog in the Okay. Room. It's um, not bring your dog to work day, you know. Oh, yeah. But isn't that the deal? So it's like uh, so it, it's like panties. Well, it's not, well, it's not. No, it's not panties. Uh-uh. It's called pantyhose, though. Yeah, you wear underwear underneath it. See, I don't need, see. These are all things I don't really. Well, unless I've been missing something. For the but what they say, con- what are control top panties? It means that like, like if a lot of people have trouble areas right mm-hmm. around their stomach, so it like. Oh, I see. So it's like a truss. Yeah, I can't wear those because it upsets my stomach. It's just like so tight. It packs everything because it moves all your internal organs around. Totally. Really, I mean, I don't mean to be, sound like a big Donahue Alan Alda guy here, but really, the things that we expect women to do. I mean, really. Look, you need to shave this, pluck that. Uh, you also need to trim this, wax that, and I need oh. you to put on this whalebone corset. Walk down the fire escape in heels. Yeah, I mean, stories. Really, and I mean, so there's got to be some sort of special uh, section of hell reserved for the guy who invented uh, high heels. I mean, really, this is, I mean, <laughs> you look at those and you I know the, the sound of them. Though. I love the sound, and I, you know, and you know what, guy, as a guy, I have to admit that they're cool looking. But maybe women could carry the, the sound effect in their purse. And push a little button and have the sound effect go off, and they could wear flat shoes. Hey, now you're onto something here. This is like that blind cane you were coming up with, uh-huh. with for for hybrids. You, you ought to develop kids a, have the shoes that light up when they walk. That's what I'm saying. You ought to develop some flats that walk, when you walk, 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 and it makes the sort of a uh, wait. No, this is okay. This is genius. How many good ideas a week do you think we come up with that we never do anything with? Oh, I, I don't bother to count them anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's too frustrating. Um. <laughs> Our whole life is one big blown opportunity, Tim. Um, okay, two ideas here. A, women's flats that when you walk make the sound of high heels on a tile floor. I mean, because I think guys and I think a lot of women find that kind of stylish, kind of sexy. Second thing, how about this? This is the best idea. You know, it, this because, you know, the key is to selling things to dog owners or parents. Uh, here's the other thing. You sell this to parents. They are like sneakers, and you can turn on the function where they make the tap dancing noise. Hmm. You know, so it's just like regular sneakers, so to, but they do, so you can do the tapping thing. Or this, or you could also sell this to children. You could actually sell to, to boys, this is to little boys, a thing where uh, the shoes make any variety of noises. Like as they walk, it's the sound of a car revving. Is that a woman walking in high heels? It is. In the subway station. Two women. How about this? Two women. You know the other thing you could sell? You could sell shoes that, like, they make a horse clopping sound when you walk. Why would you want to sound like a horse clopping? Because you're an idiot boy. Because boys love dumb things. Oh, okay, for kids. No, for kids. That's what I'm saying. You make... uh, Horse clopping for children. Imagine making a shoe for little boys that, when they walked, sound like a car engine revving. You know kids would totally buy that. Just to, you know, just because kids love things that are loud. That allowed and don't make any sense. Well, kids love destruction. Money in the they do. Money in the bank, Tim. All right. Anyway, blah blah blah. High heels. Blah blah blah. And there's no male equivalent to any of those things. There's no male equivalent to high heels. No. There's no male equivalent to pantyhose. I would imagine. Or bra. There's no male equivalent to the bra. There's no male equivalent to uh, you know like a corset or anything, unless you're some guy that wears a truss. But I think only Hank Kingsley does that. So uh, I think these are all you know. Basically, just fashion torture devices we've devised for women. All right. And here's Tim Roth. Well, buying gas may become a cash-only transaction as long as credit card fees continue to chop away at retailer profits. Hugh Campbell, the president of the Petroleum Retailers and Automotive Repair Association, says cash is becoming a reality. It's already happened. 
at, at some locations. I think it probably won't be widespread just because it's such a big part of our business that, that people are unable to pay cash for, for a fill-up because they don't have that much cash. Wait, so why is it a cash-only business? Well, we're gonna, uh, we're, we will find out. Uh, gas stations aren't making any money. Ah. The fees are, are costing us um, anywhere from 4 to $0.08 cents per gallon, which is uh, quite a bit uh, if we're only making roughly 9 or $0.10. Cents. Now, wait a minute. That doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't because at all. Wait, the gas prices used to be lower, but it, it's the same amount of money. It doesn't. This doesn't make. It. Somebody's lying here. No, well, it's, <laughs> everybody's lying. I mean, this is a gas. oil company up and down the line. Everybody's lying about this. <laughs> you really, it's true. I mean, all, and it, the solution <laughs> is to drill from oil, oil outside of beautiful homes in California, which is not going to happen. Um, you know, Todd the Corpse claims that uh, he lived in Huntington Beach and there were oil derricks off that he could see at the coast. Oh yeah, so yeah, they're up and down the coast. Yeah. So that person who called yesterday is ill-informed. Yeah, in your face, person. Uh, yeah, but you're right. That doesn't make any sense at all because the gas prices used to be lower, yeah. and they were accepting. Yeah, that's just that's a bunch of sh- chicanery, is what that is. And it's then he says here something that's not going to happen. Banks need to cut back on their profits. The answer is for the for the banks not to be reaping such a huge profit. It costs them no more to to um, process a ten dollar fill up from so many years ago to a hundred dollar fill up today. There's no more cost involved, and yet the percentage that they're charging us is the same. Well, whatever it is, it's not going to happen. Oh, so everybody's yeah. lying up and down about this, and no one is to believe. Uh, let's see, uh, Rick, about Richard Manson. Didn't Richard Speck chop up eight or nine nurses in Chicago? That is true. Nine student nurses. I guess he's the forgotten serial killer. Uh, Tim will probably remember the exact time. He says, I was a little kid, but I remember it was a big deal on the TV, uh, says Michael. Well, Richard Speck, wait, is he dead? Do you remember that videotape that came out of Richard Speck about mm-hmm. ten years ago? Mm-hmm. There's where he was like cross-dressing and snorting cocaine, um, and it was and he's in jail, right? He's like in prison for the rest of his life because he killed nine student nurses, um, and um, which is you know uh, not good. And so they put him in they put him in prison, and this I don't even know how it came out, but this videotape leaked out about a decade ago of Richard Speck in prison where he's supposedly being you know punished. And he was dressed up as a woman wearing a wig, snorting cocaine, and talking about how he was having the time of his life. It was the weirdest video. It's like the, it, especially because you're right, he's a guy you don't really think about. No. Okay, wait, hold on. Other serial he killers. He died in 1991. Richie, really? He did? Okay, so this must have been filmed before his de- death because it mm-hmm. came out when I was in Utah. And I, it must have been Richard Speck, though. I'm, I'm convinced it was Richard Speck. Mm-hmm. Unless it was the... Who was the Boston Strangler? Oh, that was Albert DeSalvo. DeSalvo. I'm trying to think of maybe uh, horrific killers who have fallen through the cracks. You know we don't talk about anymore the DC snipers. We don't talk about them. Yeah, they were kind of lame anyway. Hey, whatever happened to whatever happened to uh, uh, wasn't there a serial killer that was uh, working like uh, Florida, like Gainesville? Wasn't there like a Gainesville college killer, like a Spring Hill Jack kind of a guy? Hmm. A college killer, like a campus college? Yeah, like I think he was killing college girls in Gainesville, Florida. That sounds like an urban legend. I'm pretty sure. I thought it was in the news though. Maybe I'm wrong about uh, that. Speck had a heart attack, by the way. All right. Died. Okay. Richard Speck reminds me of somebody else, but I can't quite come up with who. Yeah. Well, in any event. All right. I think the last big serial killer we had here was um, we we got the Green River Killer, right? Oh, yeah. The last one. Yeah. What's his name? Danny Jim? Danny Rowling. Is that who you're talking about? I don't really know. Uh, a 1990 killing spree that terrorized the college town of Gainesville, Florida. How many people? Uh, here, right. I'm 
go into the story now. Let's see. Because I don't even remember them catching that guy. I just remember the crimes uh, he, actually happening. Uh, the grisly murders of five college students. See, it's uh, the bar is set so high now. I mean, it's really... Uh, you have to do a whole... Then the, the Green River Killer guy, uh, you know, he killed like 50 women or something like that. And, yeah. you know, I would imagine the average American didn't even know his name. Well, it's because it's the Northwest, and people expect people to behave that way <laughs> in that area of the country. <laughs> it's just par for the course, Tim. I mean, it's uh, not really considered a civilized area. Yeah. You know, and it, it is, I mean, even the really, really bizarre serial killers, they don't get as much attention, I would think. I mean, it's really hard. You know what it is? Being a serial killer team is exactly like being in a rock band. Uh, what with all the various media outlets and the, the channels of information and distribution. And all the groupies. Yes, it's just so, di it's so difficult to get noticed, to cut your way through the noise, as they say. Because here you think about uh, Ed Gein. Well, I think Ed Gein actually only killed one person. Uh, you know, but he was just so nutty that everybody kind of, and there was just nothing else going on in America in like 1954 or whatever that they talked. But you know, but then you got that BTK killer in Wichita a couple years ago. He killed all kinds of people and was a freaking nutcase to boot and a church leader, I think. Oh yeah, that guy was freaky. Yeah, but I bet I bet nobody here even remembers his name. I mean, I do uh, because I'm me. But I mean, his name was Dennis Rader. But you know what? No one in America knows no, that. Nobody. He's he's another forgotten serial killer. Well, he branded himself as the uh, BK killer. He gave himself the nickname, that's right, which you can't do. Right. All right. Yeah, the days of the Zodiac Killer, I'd say those days are gone. It's, uh, yeah, something, this, the serial killing in America is really where music in America was in about 1990. It's uh, time, for, time for some sort of a revolution in that field. Uh, let's see. I was going to make some other observation about something. Wait. Serial killing? Zodiac? No. Nothing could be a scene. No, I know. I got nothing. Uh, all right. We'll do some more calls here in a moment. Here's Tim Riley on KCMD Portland. <clears throat> Four dead in a landslide at the Guatemala City dump. The landslide brought them down? Exactly. Uh, the fire department said they were called to, quote, people working there, uh, they were under tons of garbage. Hundreds of families make their living at the dump in Guatemala City, searching for food and items they can sell. You know, my wife wants me to go on vacation with her in Guatemala. This is why I'm not going to do it, because people are killed by big piles of trash. Well, now all the good stuff is on top. <laughs> so maybe you can make a little money there. <laughs> you are a terrible person. That's been said before. Yes. With a heart of gold. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Whatever you say. Yeah, she, you, you, we ought to go to Guatemala, which just sounds like a... And they have death squads there. Yeah. I mean, I assume they kind of have death squads everywhere, but I mean, I, I think there are actual death squads there. Well, they get in trouble for protesting the picking of bananas. So. Yeah. So, in any event. So, uh, I mean, really, what is, where the big industry is made by wading through fields of trash. That seems like a place. You know what it is? That's a developing country. I'm gonna, I'll am gonna. i go there in 30 or 40 years if they seem to have gotten their act together. I'm not going to go there now. It's like my wife is just going on that the Amazonian trip. I mean, you know, here's the thing. I really do admire my when wife. Is she for going being, to the Amazon? Uh, this fall, November. Uh, and you know what? I, I, and I mean this in a, in, a, in a really sincere way, that I really do. I admire the fact that she that she is sort of into things like that, and she's much more outgoing and, what you know, adventurous or whatever than Coffee I am. Coffee and soup. Uh, you know what? But she's like, you know, and then I got to get to, I have to get immunized against yellow fever and malaria. It's yeah. going to be fantastic. But Anderson Cooper went there, and he came back, and he's okay. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, it, you know, it's not like she's, it's not like she's going to the moon or something. But I mean, she's going 26 miles at the Amazon. You know. Meanwhile, I will be sitting at home on my snack whale's ass, just getting fatter. So, well, it's it just dangerous for you to walk to the Safeway. <laughs> I'll just, get, I'll be riding the Max. Amazon. I'll be, I'll be riding the yellow Max line while, while she's in Peru. Uh, all right, here's Tim Riley. Uh, former White House press secretary Scott McGlellan is the. 
defending his scathing new book. He's appearing uh, before some uh, committee today, the House Judiciary Committee. He said the Bush White House has a permanent campaign mode from uh, day one to deceive the American public. But when you're going to war, it is particularly troubling when you use that kind of mentality and you don't speak about the truth of the situation as best you know them, including the contradictory intelligence, including the caveats and qualifications, and including uh, the consequences, the risk, and the cost of going into war. And we did not do that. That's more than he said all the time he was press secretary. He responded to critics of his new book. Instead of engaging a reasoned, rational, and honest discussion of the issues raised, some sought to turn it into a game of gotcha, misrepresenting what I wrote and seeking to discredit me through inaccurate personal attacks on me and my motives. Doesn't sound very spontaneous, does it? No, I think he's just angling for a gig on Air America. Well, that could be. Mm. Uh, two weeks ago, a two-and-a-half-inch nail pierced uh, the skull of the uh, Shawnee, Kansas man's head. And now George Chandler is back getting some commemorative gifts, including a bright orange work vest, a yellow Bass Pro hard hat, and a shopping spree. Chandler and his friend were building a deck in back of his house when the friend accidentally shot Chandler in the head with a nail gun. Uh, Chandler plans to resume work on the desk uh, without the nail gun, of course. But we're going to do it with a hammer and nail. Maybe not the same hammer that, that he got here that he took the nail out, but one yeah. like it. The they best part of... The, uh, the Bass Pro Shop hat to his head. The best part, of, the best part about the story is that he didn't know he had the nail in his head for like six hours, mm. which means that the friend shot him in the back of the head with a nail gun and then decided to sort of creep away. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna go to lunch. I'm gonna and just got into his car and sped away. Uh, I don't even know what these calls are. All right, let's see here. Tell me which line I should pick up. One. All right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello, this is Matt Houston. Hello, hi. Hi, I'm I'm calling about that. Uh... I, I've been waiting on the on on hold here for about 40 minutes, and usually I I, I wouldn't uh, wait this long. But I wanted to say first off, before I get to what I was going to say, Richie Bristol is the coolest slash weirdest call screener on planet Earth, and and you should give him a raise because he is fantastic. Now, what is it he's done uh, to uh, like just lately to earn this sort of praise? Well, he he just when he answers the phone, he just he's 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 just a tripper. It reminds me of when I was in high school, and you know when you were on LSD and you would just kind of act strange. He's just like that, except uh, you know he's he's just very polite and and uh, he's he's just the greatest. But he is efficient. He does get things done by the fistful. I'll, I'll give you that. Oh, absolutely, yeah. He's he's great. I mean, I kind of remember Scotty J. I mean, that guy was Who? like. A, this, well, whoever he was like ten pounds of dumb, and uh, <laughs> and, and, and uh, Richie Bristol is awesome. So uh, yeah, hey, Richie, uh, people, and I mean this, uh, this is, I mean this from the bottom of my heart. Richie does uh, so many things around here that people don't appreciate, and when I say appreciate, people just don't know about him. I mean, you know, he comes on and hey, I had sex with a girl last night, and there's there's you know, some latex all over my house now, or whatever, whatever it is. He comes, you know, these horrible stories, uh, but he. He he just does so many things during the day, like booking that girl who was in Jurassic Park, or booking a guy to bring an alligator in Monday. Or trying to get us a midnight showing of The Dark Knight. Trying to get us a midnight showing, getting the podcast up and running. Uh, you know, I mean, he just uh, arranging for like DVD giveaways. He just does he does so much stuff here. So yeah, Richie is a, he is all that, as they say. So um, yeah, yeah, and and he's just awesome to talk to as yeah. a call screener. So uh, so God bless him and uh, and he knows all about uh, the secrets of easing anal tension. Hmm. I must have missed that show. Thank yeah. you. All right. Uh, how can I help you, sir? Um, well, I, getting back to what you guys were talking about, those sensors on the uh, at the stoplights. Yes. The, uh, one of the callers was correct in, when he said that they it's not by weight, it's by magnetic. 
you know, it's just like a, it senses your metal by magnets. And so for motorcycle riders, sometimes you don't have enough metal close enough to, to, to trigger them. So the trick that I do that I found out a couple of years ago is you put your kickstand down on the little line, and the metal touching it will trigger the light. That is interesting. So if that, now would that work for a bicycle? Uh, it, it might work for a bicycle, too. Just make sure that the, the actual metal of your kickstand touches the little uh, the, the, the seam thing that you see on the road there. You know, here's an interesting. When Laura and I were in San Diego last weekend, we rented, there was a day we rented some bicycles, uh, and just uh, we, uh, you know, because a lot of the beaches in, in San Diego are sort of not connected, but, I mean, they're, they're close to one another, so you can sort of go from one beach to another to another. So we rented, like, some beach bikes and just kind of spent a day sort of biking from one beach to another and just, like, having lunch and whatever. And the bikes we rented had kickstands on them. And that started making me think about kickstands and how it... At some point in American history, we just stopped putting kickstands on bicycles for reasons that I don't really understand. Is that true? It's Sarah, does your bike? Well, your bike has one, doesn't it? Mine does, but it's because cool. it's a huge cruiser. And it's and yeah, and it's but sort of a retro-style bike. It. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you go and you find like a you know like a like a modern bicycle, because Sarah's has a kind of a cool retro thing going on, and these were sort of beach bikes that we got. So I mean, but I mean, if you buy an at like a modern bicycle, it never comes with a kickstand, and I don't really know why that is. Do you know, sir? Yeah, it's because. It's because the mountain bike craze that started in 1990 when people started buying rock hoppers and stump jumpers and all that, I lived in Bend, so I got intimately acquainted with the LL Action B, LLB action figures who would buy those things. And uh, they, they were too cool. They wanted to take off that three ounces of extra weight, so so they uh, stopped putting uh, kickstands on the bike. I mean, I really could use a kickstand on my bike now and again because it's like, okay, sometimes you won't be, like, one of the bike racks won't be free, and so you have to, like, chain it to a stop sign or something. And well, then if the bike. could use a one now. That's what I'm saying. Then if the bike shifts, you know, because I have the U-lock, and then if the bike shifts or the, tur- the, the you know, the handlebars turn somehow, then that thing of the, like, where the bike falls flat on its side to the ground. Still locked up, but it falls over. So you're right. I mean, it, it really is. It's a phenomenally useful thing. And unless you're, I mean, really, unless you're Lance Armstrong, there's no reason to lose however little weight that is. Totally. All right. Thank you, my friend. Yeah, God bless you all. I love you. Oh, yeah! Uh-huh. Okay. You have a good weekend. Awesome. All right. Here's Tim Riley. Time for a corpse watch. Wait, how many corpse watches are there here? One, two. I feel like I should take one more three, call then before we do four. this. Four. It's just going to be. Four. All right. What line should I pick up? Go two. for it, Tim. Two. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hi, Rick. Um, so on the subject of forgotten serial killers, have you ever heard of Pee Wee Gaskins? Is he a baseball player? <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, I read this book uh, called Final Truth. It was one of these, you know, the author interviewed him and wrote down a bunch of stuff and wrote right. a book about it. Uh, it is so disturbing. I'm, I might have held on to the book, uh, but I might have got rid of it just because it kind of creeped me out having it. But he is supposedly the most, you know, the, everybody's always claiming to be the most, uh, you know. Most uh, prolific. Yeah, prolific. I was going to say productive, but that seemed like the wrong <laughs> word. <laughs> but the most go get him. Uh, so they didn't convict him of very many, and he always wondered why he wasn't more famous uh, before they executed him, that is. Uh, but a, a lot of it is that he was primarily in the South, and I just don't think they publicized it uh, very much. But uh, there's a lot of uh, fascinating stories in that book about he would just drive along in his hearse uh, and, and pick up hitchhikers and kill them. And, and his theory is a lot of his victims were never found because of Hurricane Hugo uh, coming in because he would just sort of toss them into the 
swamps or whatever. Interesting. Well, you, I mean, in the South, you, uh, I read somewhere that the that the South and the Northwest have more active serial killers than anywhere else in the country, and it's because there's so much wilderness that yeah, right. you can yeah, you, you, you some guy kills some you know hooker, she just goes into like an alligator pit somewhere, and then blah blah blah. So. And, and he was well known to the police, but not for killing people, obviously. But he'd had problems, and uh, they'd go. Hey, Pee-wee, what's with the hearse? And he'd be like, oh, I carry my dead bodies around in it. And they'd all laugh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Pee-wee, you're such a card. And uh, he, he had another great story. Like, it would make a good movie because he supposedly took a contract killing uh, deal. While he was in prison, he killed a guy that was on death row, which had never been accomplished before. And the, the way he did it, he, like, convinced the guy he was running an intercom to the guy's cell. <laughs> And when the guy answered his end of the intercom, it was a bomb. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Pee Wee Gaskins. I like him already. Yeah, uh, Final Truth. Look up the book if you can find Excellent. it. Excellent. I will look forward to Powell's books at Cedar Hills Crossing. Okay. Thank That's you, whatever. my friend. All right, thank you. Pee Wee Gaskins. Here's to you, Pee Wee Gaskins. All right. This one's going out to Pee Wee. Here's Tim Riley. Time for Corpse Watch. Here's your Corpse Watch for uh, Friday. I'm digging up phones. I'm digging up phones. Tim Riley with your corpse watch. Oh, I got a fresh one to add to the stack. So disgusting. Uh, the Bronx woman who was involved in a Las Vegas brawl that police say NFL star Adam Pacman Jones incited has been found dead. 26-year-old Sadia Morrison was uh, found dead behind her Bronx building. They found her unresponsive with injuries consistent with a fall. Mm-hmm. She fall into somebody's fist? Apparently so. Mm-hmm. Here's another one. Uh, let's see here. Planning to wear her husband's ashes in a cross around her neck, Marlene Palou uh, stopped at Kmart in Texas Township to buy a chain. When she returned to her tan Buick Century 20 moments later, <laughs> her husband's remains are missing from the front seat. My mother at first just looked at me and said, he's gone, <laughs> said daughter Jamie Palou of Honesdale. Uh, Miss Palou said she initially thought she left the car door ajar. When she and her mother went into the store shortly after picking up the ashes from the Hesling Funeral Home in Honesdale. <laughs> you know, you do so much with a single syllable inflection. Just the way you say Honesdale, mm-hmm. I know what you think of that town. Mm-hmm. Uh, they soon realized that the green bag with the uh, funeral home uh, lettering was missing, along with the father's ashes, three keepsake necklaces, and a pack of Marlboros. <laughs> Where was Dad was right here next to the smokes. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Oh. He's in Marlboro country now. Everybody <laughs> says they've never seen anything like it. In his 33 years in the business, funeral director Robert Hesling has it. I was shocked. I didn't know how to help. His funeral home handled the services for James Pillow of Prompton, who died on May 19th. Hesling is now offering an unspecified reward for the return of Mr. Pillow's ashes. Uh, Ms. Pillow said the family does not plan to press charges. She simply wants her father's demands returned. In addition to wearing uh, keepsake crosses filled with ashes, the family was planning to bury the rest of uh, Mr. Palou's remains in New York. Of course she's distraught and upset. The idea that she had him with her and now she doesn't? Well, uh, the couple was married for 39 years. Mrs. Palou doesn't understand why someone would take the ashes, but not bother with other valuables in the car. 
My mother even had a bag full of quarters, about $10 worth. <laughs> they took dad but left the change. They didn't even take $10. This is probably the biggest story to hit Honesdale in some kind. I know that I, that it, that I as a as somebody who, like, you know, whenever it is I die, you know, I don't, just cremating me is fine. So I know I probably should have picked out a place to have all my ashes stuck at this point, but I, I just haven't. I've never really given it any thought. So... I guess it's just on Lara. Whenever I, whenever I die, I guess she'll just have to, like, I don't know, just, just stick me in the outgoing trash or whatever, because I've never really come up with a place to it to be put. Here's Tim Riley. New York. A man convicted of secretly cutting up corpses, including that of Masterpiece Theater host Alistair Cook, has received the sentence of 9 to 27 years in prison for his role in a ghoulish multi-million dollar body part scheme. Christopher Alarasi, who's 36, has been convicted of 20 counts, including... Enterprise corruption, grand larceny, and reckless endangerment. They say he and others took bone and tissue without family permission and sold the pieces to medical companies, were used in transplants and other medical procedures. He chose to have a judge hear his case instead of a jury. He could have faced 60 years in prison. The scheme's a ringleader named Michael Masteronic pled guilty earlier this year and admitted that he didn't get consent from any of the hundreds of bodies he plundered. <laughs> Plundering bodies. He apologized last week. <laughs> I'm sorry. Sorry about what that. can you do? Uh, yeah, so uh, apparently somebody got Alistair Cook's bones and didn't know it. You know, that's a great documentary. They should try to find whoever it is that is, uh, you know. That'd be like one of those, I was a teenage werewolf. I have Alistair Cook's bones. This comes to us from Croatia. A woman had, who had uh, reported missing after being seen by neighbors in 1966 has been found dead in her own apartment. Back when she first reported uh, missing, neighbors assumed that she had shifted to Zagreb. When police broke into the apartment to determine the occupancy status, they found Helviga Gorlick's mummified body in front of her black-and-white television with a cup of tea. That's how I want to go out. It is a sad indictment of modern society that a person can die in her own home and not be missed by friends, colleagues, or family. I was actually just going to say they reported her missing, but the cops are just now checking her apartment. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. We have missed our places to look. Let us check apartment. I mean, why, why would it take you 42 years? This is a former communist country. <laughs> they, they're still stuck in their own ways there. I suppose. I mean, were they busy waiting in line for potatoes or something? I don't know. <laughs> well, okay. Uh, let's see. There are a few loved ones in my community who would contact the police if they didn't see me or hear from me in a few days, said one. Yeah. I communicated via email. Well, they couldn't have done this. because. She... <laughs> uh, let's see. I'm, I'm telling their... Uh, there should be more cyber friends and colleagues that would inquire about my well-being than real-life friends and family in this age of the Internet and cyber friends may well outnumber our real friends. This is a poor English translation of what this woman said. The poor woman was found dead in front of her TV. If I kick the bucket at home, I hope I'm found dead with my fingers on the keyboard. I want to die doing what I love most, writing. Okay. Well, there I don't go. know who wrote. This is from Newsblaze. <laughs> From our op-ed contributor, <laughs> from Newsblaze. Uh, all right. Excellent. Is that the end of the corpse watch? Is no, there another part? More. All right. <laughs> there are more coming in by the moment here. I just can't keep up. <laughs> Investigators are trying to determine which student living near the University of Pennsylvania forgot his head. Is this supposed to be fun? I don't know. Seven <laughs> students have been living in Are you West... referring to the show in general? Or... I... No, I know this show is funny. I laugh every... Uh, seven students have been living in a West Philadelphia apartment where a human skull was found Monday afternoon, but police don't know who left it there. It's kind of weird, said Lieutenant Frank. It's a mystery at this point. The Philadelphia Medical Examiner's Office and police detectives are investigating. 
but there was no indication that a crime occurred. That's okay. I got a skull in my office. It's not that weird. The assistant manager of the campus apartments uh, told police he found the skull on the kitchen counter while cleaning an apartment. An anthropologist uh, will look at the skull this week and try to learn more. The skull may have been left as a prank or used as a learning tool. <laughs> if it had a bullet hole in it, we could possibly pick it up, said Sergeant Frank. Right now, we have uh, no idea where it came from. By the way, just a head on the kitchen counter. <laughs> the other day, uh, we have four new AEs upstairs, four new salespeople. And so I was doing my, uh, you know, where they come by and, you know, they, I give them the whole rundown of the station and the show and, you know, what we're about and who who is the AM970 listener or whatever. And so they come by and I give them my, you know, like a little song and dance about the station. And I said, they came into my office and you don't really realize, I think it's like in this studio, like when we have somebody like Chuck Pollan that comes in yesterday and I realize how the studio just looks like a frat house. I mean, I got like a big rubber fist over here. There's mm-hmm. like a bunch of kiss things and a there's scary... like a Harvey Dent posters everywhere. And there's like a singing pig up on top of the, uh, the up on top of the rack over there. And so, but it's like that with my office, where the salespeople are sitting there, and I realize that in my office I've got a human skull, a jar that is filled with scorpions and, and cobras and whiskey. I have now because of that listener who dropped these off, and I forget his name, but the, the, I don't know if he left a, the, the note had his name. The listener dropped off a prosthetic arm and a prosthetic hand the other day. And I've sort of mounted them on the wall, sort of holding hands. So if you walk into my office, it's just nothing but skulls and prosthetic limbs and cobras everywhere. And I, you kind of, I kind of get used to it. And then somebody, then you sort of see it through their eyes when they mm. come in. So, all right, there's your uh, quadruple corpse watch. Oh, we've got the worst cannibal watch coming up later. Somebody just sent it to me. No, I haven't even given it to you yet. I just printed it. Uh, I'll get it during the uh, during the break. We'll do a couple calls here, then we'll take a break. We'll come back more from Tim Riley. Uh, we got the top five Weird Al songs about eating. All that coming up. Gloria's Pastor of the Week, Goth or Not. Uh, we'll do a couple of these. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Yes, it is. Hello, sir. You know, uh, someone that, that does not get his due these days anymore is Jim Jones. Jim See? Jones. You know, I uh, I grew up in Willits, California, which was about 15 miles away from where he had his church. The People's Temple. Mm-hmm. And we we would drive by there, and my folks would say, hey, you know, that, that, that Baptist church over there, that's, that's Jim Jones's old church. And it's, you know, it's, it's a Baptist church now. People have their services there. <laughs> It's kind of a weird part of our history. And it is sort of interesting. How many people was that at Jonestown, Tim? It's like hundreds, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Like, I think it was almost a thousand, maybe? Yeah, at least. Uh, yeah. So you got to figure, you know, but I mean, I guess people of a certain age especially know who Jim Jones is. But he's not that famous in terms of what he did. And yet you think about a guy like Jeffrey Dahmer, everybody knows Jeffrey Dahmer. So the right. question is, somebody really had to boil this down to a formula. The question is, what does it take to really be a well-known and remembered serial killer, or mass murderer at least? I mean, really, what does it take? Here's another one. I don't remember the name of the guy that shot all those people at that McDonald's in California. I don't remember his name at all. Remember the guy that left the house and the wife said, what are you doing? He goes, I'm going to go hunt humans. And she told the police later she didn't know what he meant. Uh, and then he went to McDonald's and just, you know, and so I don't uh, I don't remember that guy's name at all. I remember the incident, but I remember his name. So it is curious to think about why we remember certain mass murderers and serial killers and why we don't remember others. The key is, I think, to have a good hook. <laughs> Sorry, let me take that back. <laughs> oh, Rick Emerson. No, the key is to have a good gimmick, I guess, is really what I mean to say. Um, uh, you know, because John Wayne Gacy had the clown outfit. 
Well, Jim Jones had the Kool-Aid, and everybody, you know, everybody still, even though it was not Kool-Aid, it was uh, Flavor-Aid. That is a, no, that's a thing that people do remember. Like, we have, in right. fact, can I tell you this? Uh, we have the phrase, drink the Kool-Aid. If you look, one of the many things in our studio, if you look over on the left window from where I am standing, we have, uh, I think they were originally going to be station name badges, but we decided it was too creepy, so now they're just on the wall. They're little packets of Kool-Aid with our names printed on them. Uh yeah, because of our large cult following and so forth. And so, uh, all right. Well, it's worth hey, pondering. Hey, whatever happened to you guys renaming the radio station? That's, you know, it's one of those things. Actually, uh, we were just talking about that the other day. That's one of those things where we had a list of, would you like to hear some names that we're not going to be going with? Yes. Sure, we, why not? We will not be going with the Big Yak. <laughs> we will not be going with the Yacker. Uh, we will not be going with... Sadly, we will not be going with PDX Talk, which is the one that we all liked, and then the lawyers told us we couldn't do it. There was uh, somebody who threatened to sue us over that. So we're not going to be doing that. Well, stay tuned for details, my friend. I, I take it then you're probably not going to be using yak milk? Ew. You, you take that correctly. Yes. That's, that's uh, yeah, that, that would not be one that right. you would take. No, it's, it's time to end the call. Thanks. All right, there you go. Are we breaking? All right. Yes. The key is to have a good hook. It's 503-733-2970 and so forth. If you're on hold, hang tight. We'll come back, get more calls after this. Tim Riley returns and the top five and goth or not, stay there. Good golly, Miss Molly. Is that that extra collagen stuff? No, I already used all that stuff. I bought some of that as a wacky radio bit, and then I never used it, so I gave it to Lara. What's Timmy Ryan doing? He's here to meet Ron Jeremy. Ron Jeremy is in the hallway. Ron Jeremy's in the building. Uh, I think he was. Uh, he's going to be with Marconi later today. Oh, crap. I think he pre-taped an interview with Mar... I think if you listen to Marconi on KUFO, I think you'll hear uh, Ron Jeremy. Yeah, I walked by the studio, and there he was. So I guess he's not... So the funniest thing just happened during the break. So I guess Ron Jeremy just walked by the... The studio or something, or with Richie or whatever, and Sarah waved or you shook your hand or something. Well, it was Timmy Ryan out there, and, and I then, saw Ron Jeremy behind him. And then for a moment, we thought that we had accidentally invited Ron Jeremy into the studio. And which would was, be no problem. Which is fine. I think we had him on the show before, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, yeah. Oh, that's right, because he kissed you. I, I keep forgetting about that. There's that photograph of me. Um, so, in any event, so Timmy Ryan just called me in the hall, and he's like, dude, my whole reason for living is in that room right there. And I thought he was talking about the studio, and then I thought he was talking about you. Oh, my God. He... What? <laughs> Richie just sent me a picture of Ron Jeremy holding Muppet. Really? Oh, <laughs> random that? Great and kind of weird. you got to put that on your space. Well, it doesn't get much better than that. No, Seriously, I mean, the idea of Ron Jeremy holding your dog and that it was sort of sprung on you is pretty great. That yeah, is I mean, the most ridiculous thing How many thing people ever. can say that Ron Jeremy held their dog? Not me. I mean, not me, certainly, so... All right, good for you, Sarah. Well done. Maybe, <laughs> maybe you and Ron Jeremy are destined to be together somehow. Maybe you're, he's my soulmate, and you're... I just don't know it. <laughs> uh, Chuck Palahniuk yesterday, Ron Jeremy today. It is an, it is an interesting life. It really is. Um, I don't even know what we're doing. Well, we oh, should try and get him in here. Well, is he still here? I don't know. I don't know. Um, you know so, yeah, so Richie, home. so Timmy Ryan is like, my whole reason for living is in that studio. And I thought he was talking about Sarah, which was just creepy. Uh, and then he's like, no, dude, Ron Jeremy. Because you know Timmy does music for does music for adult cinema, exotic entertainment, as Jack Horner would say. Did he leave? He's outside. Well, I guess right, Ron Jeremy is walking Muppet. Looking into it. 
Is Ron Jeremy walking your dog? Okay. Well, that's just weird. Yeah, he's outside his Muppet. All right. Oh. Well, should we? Do we want to ask Richie if he wants to? I mean, doesn't matter to me. I don't want to be like I'm poaching Marconi's interview though. Let's call Richie. He's yeah. a high-profile dog sitter now. Well, but I mean, you know, because Marconi's pre-taping it, I think, because Marconi goes on a two, and Ron Jeremy, you know, is not able, Ron, he's, he's not able to stick around. Well, you know, he's a hustler. You know, he's a, he's relentlessly uh, self-promoting. So I don't, uh, I don't, but I don't want Marconi to feel like we're, like we're going to jump in and sort of steal his thunder. So we we should probably, I mean, unless Marconi's cool with it, we should probably pass on that. No, that's fine. I mean, I, I don't think that he's doing any interviews yeah. anyway. All right. Well, in any event. Uh, I just want a picture. You just want, you want to meet him again. We still, yeah, we still have the old one on our. Um... A whole series of photos. Of, was that was at Max, right? Yeah. Because I got the bad thin hair in the front in that photo. You look at the photo. I got the bad like the whole sparse, the whole sparse hair in the front. Um, and it's me and my Gene Simmons, my Obey shirt. And then you look good. Uh, and then that was was it right after that photograph that he kissed you? Um, no, we were in in the other room cutting liners. That's right. Yeah. Wait, did he cut liners? Mm-hmm. I don't even know where those are. I don't even know that I have liners They're from Ron Jeremy. They're property of Intercom. Oh, that's right. Probably over there. All right. Uh, well, in any event, here's what's coming up later on. We'll do, uh, in fact, we'll do goth or not here, Richie, in just a few minutes. So don't call about that. We'll do that in a few minutes. Top five Weird Al Yankovic songs uh, about eating. Scott Daly will be here to talk about the surely hideous new Mike Myers film, The Love Guru. Here's a couple observations, but before I get to them, let's welcome now Tim Riley from the Ministry of Truth. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Oh, this is terrible. Unspeakable. It is a cannibal watch. I'm sorry? I can't play two things at one thing on. Wait, hold on. So this right. is what? A right, cannibal watch. Oh, this is, is this the one that I just sent you? Yes. This is the worst story ever. Tim Riley with, I don't even, I'm not saying the story is made up. I mean, it's from what, The Sun? Yes. So, you know, buyer beware, I suppose. It is just the weirdest story. It's one of those stories that just seems so bizarre that it's hard to imagine that it's true. But here we go. This is a, uh, this is a cannibal watch for Friday. A boy of seven was kept chained in the cellar by his cannibal family, and they ate parts of him. This cannibal sect has 10,000 members in Czechoslovakia. Sobbing Andrid Morova was rescued alive when a neighbor's TV picked up footage from a camera filming his agony. He had been partially skinned after monstrous mum Clara caged him for months. While relatives, who are also in the sick cult, feasted on his raw flesh. The mom went into Czech court as her evil was exposed in a case echoing the frizzled dungeon horror of Austria. Andred and his helpless brother Jacob, nine, were kept in cages or handcuffed to tables and they were ritually tortured, burnt, and whipped with belts. See, it doesn't seem like this story can't possibly be true, though. I mean, even in checklist, it's like it's like news of the world. <laughs> I mean, really. And do you see the picture, the the Uncle Fester picture, the yeah. kid? Um, so this, you can read this in the Sun, by the way. But I mean, even in Czechoslovakia, I can't imagine that they have ten thousand members of a cannibal cult. Mm -hmm. So this does seem like it was a slow day at the Sun, and uh, they just decided to ten thousand members of yeah. a cannibal cult. I mean, even in even in Czechoslovakia. <laughs> I mean, please. So I think they decided to have a little bit of fun with the rest of the world uh, today at the Sun. But thanks so much. There's your cannibal watch for uh, Friday on the Rick Emerson Show. I got Muppet back too. Hello, Muppet. 
Ron Jeremy tried to run off with him. Richie sent me like six pictures of Ron Jeremy and Muppet hanging out. That's one of the many uh, services that Richie Bristol provides. Here's a couple emails about this one. This is the cash for gas thing. Uh, well, you explained that story about how the, the, the gas right, stations... Which made no sense, which really. didn't make any sense at all. And but he, none of these stories make any sense. It'll make even less sense now after yeah. I read this. Listen. Well, that's what we're here for. Rick, what a terrible idea to ban credit card purchases for gas. Can you imagine how terrified you'd be having to carry hundreds of dollars in cash to a gas station to fill up your car? That's just asking for a rash of beatings and stabbings and stealings. Sure. I mean, there's no level on which the story makes sense at all. No. Uh, let's see. Here's another one. Rick. Uh, Gainesville. You are thinking of the Gainesville slasher. Yes. He was, I did not know this, he was Wes Craven's inspiration for Ghostface in the Scream movies. All right. There you go. Interesting. Thank you. Let's see what else. Um, about killers. You know who no one talks about uh, is the guy who thought shot 34 people at Virginia Tech. Oh, yeah. I can't even remember his name. No. Mm-mm. And he says, can't even remember the name. It was some Asian name, but I don't know beyond that. Who is the guy? I don't remember. A, you know, and the, here's the thing. I'm not trying to, to make light or to diminish the tragedy or whatever, but I'm speaking just journalistically now, looking at the way that the media operates. You know, that was a really, really big story for like three days and then gone. Yeah. I mean, really, no one talks about that. I don't even remember when it was. Does it was any, over a year ago. Was it over a year ago? Yeah, the, the one-year anniversary was... Uh, like a month or so ago. I mean, really, that seems to be a thing. There's, you know what it is? That's a, I think uh, the Columbine guys were, uh, I think the Columbine guys really were, were, they got there first. I mean, they're really the, uh, they're really the only, the only people who are going to have any sort of mental real estate with that kind of activity. All right. Uh, how about this? Rick and Sarah, I saw the best commercial ever last night. National Geographic is doing a special on that Indian spider girl with eight legs. <gasps> Awesome. Looks like they're going to show her life before, during, and presumably after the surgery. I looked it up, and it's airing Sunday night at 6, then again at 9. If you don't record it, I'll try to remember to save it, and I'll figure out how to get it off my DVR. I thought you might like to know. Happy Friday, Nick. Fantastic. Thank you, sir. Cool. All right. Is that somebody's stomach? Yes. All right. Here's Tim mine. Riley. Guess what, kids? Firework sales begin Monday. You're out in Oregon. You'll see the stands in parking lots along the roadsides. And this election is expected to be similar to last year. Which means it's crap. Mm-hmm. Suislav Valley Fire Chief John Buchanan says things that fly, explode, or travel more than six feet on the ground. Anything that is fun twil- at all. Are all illegal. Yes. And you're not going to buy anything that doesn't do that. No. It also makes no sense to teach kids not to play with fireworks. Hand them a book of matches and tell them to have some fun. Wait, no. I think you've got that backward. I think you're saying it makes... Wait, would you... What? Is... What? <laughs> It makes no sense to teach kids not to play with fire 51 weeks a year and then tell them to yeah, hand them a book of matches and tell them to have fun. Oh, Would it make sense? No, I think it doesn't make sense. But okay. no one does that. No. I mean, unless you live in Gresham. You know, at the sense. dollar store, they're selling um, like hundred, like boxes of like hundreds of those poppet things for 99 cents. Poppets are pretty great. I always wonder, awesome. I wonder how those things work, though. I mean, I don't really understand. Like is that a rumor or, or like? I can't imagine. It's one can... of those secrets of the Far East. I... It's an <laughs> From ancient, the mystical Asian it's an ancient Chinese. It's like the soap of Yeah. It's an ancient Chinese secret. I uh, I don't understand how those papa things work either. I guess what I, it, my question is: if you had, like, they don't actually create an explosion or anything, right? I think it's just a, a sound, but I don't think it actually creates. Like, I don't I don't really know what it is. Like, if you had a thousand of those. 
Could, could you blow something up with them? I mean, in other words, if you had a whole pile of those poppet things, would it just create a louder popping noise, or or would it actually? Could you actually blow something apart with those? Like if you took a thousand poppets and dumped all the containers, you know, all the all the insides into like a tube or something, and then stepped Dropped on the it. match. Yeah, or yeah, I don't even know if they're flammable. So I know nothing about those things. I mean, they can't be that fun or exotic because, as you said, they sell them at the dollar store. And I mean. The, the the era when you could actually uh, have fun at the 4th of July is just that, that time has passed. Mm-hmm. Uh, because all you can really buy now are just sparklers. That's all it is. It's just sparklers in one form or another. And there's just, there's no excitement to be had at all. So instead, I will, uh, you know, you just go down and uh, just watch the uh, watch the show at the river or whatever with 10,000 other people. I never really liked sparklers. Sparklers because they're, they're lame. Kind of boring. Sparklers are lame. Uh, there's just, there's no fun to be had. Uh, with fireworks at this point, which is fine. I mean, I understand that it's something you put on the market, and then the one bad apple in your neighborhood has to ruin it for everybody by burning down a school or something. I was going to say that guy was Richie, but that was just Richie, Richie making his own explosives, not playing the fireworks. That right? really wasn't. Yeah, see, those laws won't. That's the thing is, these laws really won't. Uh, these laws won't affect people like Richie anyway. Yeah, because it had nothing to do with fireworks. He was just actually making homemade like dynamite. So, uh, all right, here's Tim Riley. Somebody has fallen off the Statue of Liberty. <gasps> yeah. Mm-hmm. Wait, hold on. Were you more uh, unnerved or excited? I was kind of grossed out. I was excited. Oh. Did they fall? Please tell me they fell out of the little helmet crown thing. It said, I didn't know that the uh, Lady Liberty had a cooling tower. Apparently she does. Maybe it's on, on the back of her hat or something. Uh, he fell about 20 feet from uh, the Statue of Liberty's oh, cooling tower. Oh, 20 feet? No. That's, that's not bad. No, that's... No. All right, let's forget about it. No. He can come back when he really gets hurt. No, that's it's only impressive if you fall out of that weird uh, that tiara thing that she has in her head. Have you, yeah, like ha- through one of those. Have you been up in there? No, but I did when I was in uh, in New York last year. We did like the Ellis Island trip. Went to Ellis Island. Ellis Island is righteous. That was really cool. It's creepy and terrifying and like sad and you know whatever, but but righteous and it's especially cool if you've seen Godfather Two. The Statue of Liberty is lame. The only the only good thing. And I don't even, I think it's pointless because I don't think you can go in the Statue of Liberty anymore. Do they, they let you go in there? You can go in the base. At least when you I can't go to the top. Yeah, you can't go to the top. Uh, well, see, so. The tires are toenails. Having, uh, having been to the top of the Statue of Liberty, the, the, I will say that it's straight. You know, it is a, it's a, it's ironic because the only good thing about going to the Statue of Liberty is that you can complain about how it's pointless, about how it sucks. Uh, and because the staircase, it's like a double helix staircase up into the Statue of Liberty. Oh, it's like, like the, the Washington Monument. Maybe where one side of the staircase is people coming down, and the other side of the staircase is people going up, and it's yeah. but it's just one staircase. It you is like two window that big. Totally, it's like two spiral staircases merged together. Yeah, and you get to the top of the Statue of Liberty, and yeah, you you are it's a window that's like about a foot by six inches, and it's dirty and like you know whatever. Of fingerprints. Yeah, it's exactly. It's all smudgy because you can't really clean the outside of the popcorn stuck to it. Gravy. <laughs> what? That's totally what I picture. You can't like caramel corn or something. Uh, and you can't really you clean the outside of the Statue of Liberty. And melted popsicles. That's right. The first thing you do when you climb all those steps is wipe your hands all over the window. <laughs> Leave some gum behind and the thing that says I heart S, you know, L or whatever. Um, so uh, the uh, so you're up there and you're looking at the window, and 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 then you're just, and then you're on the way back down, but you do sort of. You you when you are standing uh, in the tiara of the Statue of Liberty, looking at the tiny window, you are gripped by this um, th- this horrific and completely unfounded fear that the whole thing is about to tip over. That your weight, because it's so small, feeling that you really do feel like the assembled weight of the three people who, at once who can over there. That it's about to tip the whole thing over. That's what I felt when I climbed uh, to the top of St. Paul's Cathedral in uh, London. Mm-hmm. 
there's just this one little window where you you could like you climb up a ladder. It's like so rickety, but you're basically climbing to the top of this cathedral, and everyone can stand on this glass panel. And there's just this little window that you have to take turns at to look Ugh. down all the way down into like where the congregation would be and stuff. And you're so high up, and it feels like you're gonna fall through the ceiling. Uh. It's the scariest thing ever. But it's just a tiny little window like that too. And so, and the other thing is when you're climbing up into the Statue of Liberty when you used to. There's like if you get it's so claustrophobic in there, uh, and it's hot and crowded and dark and congested. Uh, if you play Grand Theft Auto, um, uh, whatever the new one is, Liberty City or whatever, uh, it's exactly like that when you go up inside. Hundred years of body odor. It's just it's terrible. And but you know the thing is, once you start going up that staircase, you can't get back down. You have no, there is no backing up. Uh, because it's just nothing but people streaming up behind you on the same double helix staircase. Is there a fine if you try mm. to do that? Uh, there's no, there's, it's tried, there is no trying to do it. There's no way to do it. it you, and, be, and because there's no, I mean, God forbid if there was a fire or something in there, you would all die or fall off the staircase trying to like get up. This, it, because it's a spiral staircase right up the middle with nothing on either side. I wonder if at one time they allowed smoking. Probably. I think they didn't they allow smoking everywhere. Pretty much. Didn't they? Used, you know, it's, what's amazing is they used to allow smoking in hospitals. Mm -hmm. Just the weird and on airplanes. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, if you if you get up halfway up the Statue of Liberty staircase and decide you've changed your mind too late, the only way to get out is to go all the way to the top and then to turn around and go all the way back down on the other side of that staircase. It's completely unnerving. Uh, let's see, Rick. Please stop thinking or wondering or inquiring or having any curiosity toward anything having to do with any branch of science. You make my head hurt. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't even know what this is in reference to. It could have been about any number of things. Hey, did you get this poem that a listener wrote for you? Is it a poem about me? Mm-hmm. No. Oh. It's called A Creepy Poem About Rick Emerson. <laughs> Should we, would you like to read it now, Sarah? If you'd like me to. Wait, hold on. Let me find our gothic music. And then we'll do uh, gothic or not right after this. Wait, hold on. Here we I go. I have a creepy story here. Do you? Mm -hmm. All right. Well, let's do uh, the creepy story, then the poem. All right. Go ahead. A 27-year-old New York man is accused of cutting a hole in a woman's couch and hiding in the carved-out space until she came home. <laughs> a 22-year-old woman sat on the couch and felt a bump in the cushions. She jumped up, and David Joe Lamones emerged wow. from the hiding space. Hi! The woman was on the phone with a friend at the time, and because she found an earlier complaint against him, he, she feared he might be in her apartment. Police could hear the woman screaming in the background when her neighbors called for help. When they arrived, they found the man and the woman arguing on the balcony. Look at this guy. He's hiding in your couch. Oh, you don't want that guy in your couch. Oh, no, no, no. Mm -hmm. so I have one of those old-style couches, too, that somebody could feasibly do that in my couch. It's like some sort of, a, it's like some sort of an upholstery jack-in-the-box. Uh-huh. <laughs> and your turn, Sarah. <laughs> a creepy poem about Rick Emerson. My heart burns with longing. Passion crowns my head with thorns, but Rick Emerson does not care. So my sadness knows no bounds. He preaches beautiful sermons of love and robots and stolen corpses, plastic surgery disasters, and toilet babies. The way through the veil to the celestial kingdom, everyday new sermons flow from his soft, pillowy lips. <laughs> I listen enraptured, and I didn't write this, by the way. I listen enraptured and do my best to obey, hoping that someday Rick Emerson will say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. But Rick Emerson does not know the love in my heart that stabs me like a fiery dart. Rick Emerson does not see the tears in my eyes like flow like the rivers as he passes me by. Rick Emerson does not care that I am here, crying alone into my beer. So I sit alone in my room, floating on the airwaves. 
of my doom. See, I was thinking it was from a woman until I heard the crying into my beer. That's a dude, isn't it? Of course. Does it matter? A broken heart knows no gender, Rick Emerson. I suppose that's true. All right. Well, as we have... That was outstanding. We have noted, by the way, and don't get me wrong, you know, Rick Emerson, we are an, you know, this is an inclusive, uh, an inclusive show. We're all very open-minded. But we, Sarah and I were noting the other day that there do seem to be a disproportionate number of, I would say, presumably, how, how shall I put this? I don't know what you're trying to say. I, I was talking the other day. I won't. Uh, mm, I was noting the other day that there do seem to be a large number of women who uh, get some sort of kind of like a weird crush on you. Oh. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I mean, women who are presumably straight. Uh, but who do have, and it's kind of the same thing with Storm. Storm has gets a lot of that, too. Uh, girls who are just like, you know, well, I never, but with Storm, maybe I'd... There are a lot of women who seem to get kind of a strange girl crush on you, and then uh, you know that uh, there does seem to be that section of the male audience that sort of, uh, oh, sort yeah. of I think, has has a little bit of that for me. Oh, so yeah. I think this poem is just a, a bit of, a little bit of the outgrowth of that. I know, it's so strange, too, because I get emails from this guy sometimes, too, and I, didn't, I did not see this coming. Yes, well, okay. Uh, let's but at least do... he called it a creepy poem, which means at least he's aware that it's creepy. <laughs> he's embraced his own nature. Let's do these calls, then we will put out, then we'll uh, solicit for the goth or not and take a break. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Wanted to give you a compliment on the show. I think you. you're just doing a great job. Been listening for about ten years now, and uh, Tim's really stepped up his game in the last couple months. Yeah, Tim. Well, well thank you. Thank you. I had a bad out. game before that. <laughs> I uh, I also know the uh, the name of the guy from uh, West Virginia. His name's Cho Sun Wee. Oh, that's okay, the Virginia Tech guy. See, I, see, I totally forgot about it. Completely spaced it. All right. Thank you, sir. Thank you for listening. Are you spreading the word, my friend? Indeed, I am every day. All right. Thank you, sir. Thank you. All right. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Sarah, Rick, Tim. Hello. Hi. Have a great weekend. Hey, uh, for uh, San Ysidro, California, that's James Huberty. Who? The guy who went uh, hunting for humans. Oh, the McDonald's guy. What was his name? Yeah. James Huberty. James Huberty. All right. Okay. So yeah, he... you can write him. And the other one was, uh, if you want a Wikipedia, a really interesting one, uh, well, there's a couple, actually, uh, as far as multiple and mass the My favorite is Joe Ball, uh, B-A-L-L. Mm-hmm. He was down in Elmendorf, Texas. He had a, uh, a little bar, and out in back he had a swimming pool full of alligators. And uh, Joe had a lot of girlfriends come and go in his life. <laughs> and the alligators always stayed fat. Yes. And uh, the last, uh, actually my favorite, is uh, Howard Unruh from uh, Newark, New Jersey. Howard killed uh, killed 13 people with 14 shots in about 1950, I think. Really? Yeah, he was good. He I... was a whack job out of World War II that uh, he kept lists of all everybody that he shot in combat. And then when he came home, he uh, he went nuts on every little flight, anything that he that somebody did to him when he was in town. Uh he just, uh, one day he just went nuts and walked down the main street of town and just uh, kept, uh, killed 13 people with 14 shots. Maybe uh, maybe he'll be in my serial killer of the month calendar at some, oh, at some months go. to come. All right. Thank you, my All friend. Right. Thank yeah. you, sir. All right. Let's take a break here. We come back. Uh, we'll do Goth or Not Richie. Uh, we will not take... We'll now take a caller number five here to play Goth or Not. It's 503-733-2970. Your shot at Backlash 2006 on DVD and the official Backlash 08 t-shirt if you win at Goth or Not. Stay there. We will uh, return around the corner. Don't go anywhere. 
I need to build a sex temple. I don't mean for this to sound sleazy, but what do you wear when I put my baby in you? I better take off my pants. Take off your panties. Let me go to uh, the horny slut.com grapefruit like bosoms. For bosoms? Uh, which are plentiful. It's really possible it's being hidden in my buttocks. You must take my seat. I was waiting for the anus. No matter what you do in your life, you will never be as retarded as I am. You sure you don't want to play something else, Sarah? Maybe... What kind of, you know, what, what are my choices for bread? And she said, white wheat, sourdough, English muffin bagel. White wheat, sourdough, English muffin bagel. White wheat, sourdough, English muffin bagel. And clearly she had it hold down to like a whole David Mamet-esque like flow. White wheat, sourdough, English muffin bagel. What are my choices for bread? White wheat, sourdough, English muffin bagel. What are my choices for bread? White wheat, sourdough, English muffin bagel. What are my choices for bread? White wheat, sourdough, English muffin bagel. What are my choices for bread? White wheat, sourdough, English muffin bagel. 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 What are my choices for bread? White wheat, sourdough, English muffin bagel. What are my choices for bread? White wheat, sourdough, English muffin bagel. What are my choices for bread? White wheat, sourdough, English muffin bagel. What are my choices for bread? White wheat, sourdough, English muffin bagel. Jesus, Jesus. Excellent, fantastic. God, that is so horribly addictive. I feel like I had to go give the waitress a bigger tip at Gustav's. Uh, well, if you go to the Gustav's at the airport, I don't know, some some blonde woman waitress there. I don't know. Just I didn't know there was a Gustav's at the airport. Uh, me either, but I needed a place for bacon uh, before my flight the other day, and that was it. So, uh, And the bacon was fantastic, by the way. It's 503-733-2970. All right, before we do anything else, I hate to... Richie, if you can just come in here, please, I would appreciate it. I won't make you listen to the whole thing. Too. Thank you. Uh, you could join us in the studio for one one moment here. Uh, Richie Bristol, our intrepid PA. All right, so here's two things that just happened during the break. Uh-oh. <laughs> this is one of those things where someday... Uh, it, uh, never mind. Um, well, you know, Howard Howard Stern does this, I mean, especially now in satellite, because who cares? It's satellite. But, uh, you know, even when he was on the you know, regular, you know, like the real radio, he... Like, he just, his show just had no end time. Like, he would just go until he was out of stuff. And there are days when, you know what, we got four hours of stuff. There are days when we got 12 hours of stuff. And usually it's about this time in the show. It's about 2.15 when we realize on a day we have so much stuff. That we have hours of things left to do. And I don't just mean the news pile. So People are starting to write me emails, and they just end them with white wheat, sourdough, English muffin, bagel. That's, that's what it. I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, I got a couple of those yesterday, actually. Um I also got I got some uh, emails. A woman said that she actually woke up this morning and it was going through her head when she woke up. It's like the alarm goes off and she goes, you know, white wheat sourdough English muffin bagel, and it was just looping in her head. White wheat sourdough English muffin bagel. You can't say it. I always say it. I take a tick. White wheat sourdough English muffin bagel. It's like you've got to be. It's like an obsessive compulsive thing. You've got to be last. Um, What is it? It, Was it on South Park when um, when someone would sing like "Come Sail Away" and uh, Cartman Cartman has to sing the whole thing? Finish the whole thing. Mm I'm sailing away, and then he, God damn it! And then he would have to do the whole, you know, yeah. You guys, you know, can I just say this about "Come Sail Away" by Cartman? He is so ruined. That, I love that. It's great that version. He's, he's so ruined the song though that whenever it comes on the radio, and Lar and I are listening to the radio, and we'll hear Sticks going, you know, "Come Sail Away." Come sail away with me. And Laura and I always have to go, you guys. <laughs> anyway. Um, 
what was I saying? Blah. Richie, so two things just happened. A, we gave what in radio we refer to as the call to action into the break, which is where I said we're going to play goth or not. Call right now and be caller number 5, 503-733-2970. Be caller 5, you'll play goth or not for a shot at this uh, Backlash DVD from the WWE. That's a call to action. A couple minutes later, I stop by Richie's room and I say, hey, so this person on line 2 or whatever, is that caller 5? And Richie just goes, what? So you weren't even there. You missed the whole, uh, we have to do the whole thing again now, don't we? Kind of. Because this person. Is... Richie, what were you busy doing? Were you smoking? No. What were you busy doing? Uh, I'm in. Were you forcing Muppet upon Ron Jeremy? No, I was getting IMs from a girl in a miniskirt telling me to come over to her work. Ew, what is the mean? Oh, I don't even want to know. You were getting, wait, you were busy. You couldn't answer the phones for the goth thing because you were busy getting instant messages from a girl in a skirt who wants you to come over and do her. Like yeah. like later or now? During the show, right now and then come back. Why, is she like some like fangirl? No, she's at the so other to speak. radio station. <laughs> is that another radio station in our, in our cluster? Uh, no, in Portland. I guess. Yeah. Nobody nobody caught my joke. What'd you say? She works at another cluster, so she could still be a fangirl. She uh, could work I at the get fan. It. Oh, I get, I get it. it. Does get she it. work at Intercom? Uh, no. Clear Channel. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say. Hey, what's her name? Wait a Way to really defend a girl's honor, is she? Is it, the, is it that is it one that girl? girl? Is it the same girl? Yeah, she's wearing a pink tube top and miniskirt and so now that we've just identified her <laughs> by saying <laughs> okay. she works in clear channel Hello, clear channel but she's wearing tube topped girl wants richie to come and do her <laughs> so yeah so apparently the girl in the tube top wants richie bristol to come have i thought that girl was in a relationship though uh i don't know but we were in the middle of the ims and all of a sudden my uh, mouse kind of freaks out and the it guy puts a little note on my screen saying, oh god the it people <laughs> are watching your computer yeah. <laughs> they were like tell me they're remoting and uh if i got a minute and then he will went. price is watching your IMs. and it was like all full and then he minimized it and i'm like uh go ahead <laughs> wow uh so suffice it to say uh, this person is uh you're not gonna be uh wait is that what she likes to... Oh, I, th- I thought you were doing something else there. Uh... But it says that's that's what her status says. I'm not looking there. And where are you looking? <laughs> Whatever. All right, so suffice it to say you have not left to go have a relationship so it's this, with her. It's, it's this girl, no. right? Yep. Okay. But that being said... Have you ever right. seen her in real life? Uh-huh. She, she, we, we've seen her ass. Well, I've seen pictures of her. I didn't know. Oh, yeah, I guess. Remember, he went over and he took a picture in one of the prod rooms of her of her butt. Have you ever slept with this girl before? Uh, Fifteen years ago. What? I don't understand you. Who are you? <laughs> well, we gotta go. We gotta go with this. Fifteen years ago. Oh, Jesus, I don't even. I'm so that means she was sixteen. Was it that long ago? I don't know. It says the lawyer and me. I don't know, okay, Richie. Maybe. Was it that long ago? No, maybe ten years ago then. Uh huh. All right. Because yeah. she has a. We, I, was yeah. just a fling out at the beach. We were drunk. I didn't even. I went with other friends. I, I think we have to take these calls. Can <laughs> okay. you go find out who number the fifth five? caller is? Yes, please. Okay. Be line number two. Uh, but you know, keep somebody on hold after that too, in case they don't win. All right. Whatever. No, that's. Remember, it was like, hey, come over here and take a photo of my ass, and then there's the photo taken of the ass in the production room. Did you say, okay, it sounded like you said, there's a photo taken of my ass in the production room. No, of the girl's ass. Yeah, I remember that. I remember yeah, because he now. came and he's like, hey, do you want to see that chick's ass? And he like he opens up his iPhone and like, there's a picture of the ass. So, all right. That's just so weird. Well, you know, different strokes for different folks, I, I suppose. I guess so. There's somebody for everybody, Sarah Dillon. Looks like Richie's getting a lot of strokes. <laughs> I can't believe that just came out of you my mouth. You know what you were saying just there. <laughs> that was not an accident. Don't play coy with me. Uh... 
Line two and then three, four. All right, line two and then down the row in that order, and so on in that order. All right, hello, hi, uh, Rick Emerson Show, howdy. Hi, I want to pay. All right, sir. Is this Dave Zinn? No. Okay. Uh, all right, sir, you're going to play goth or not. Uh, you are playing for a copy of Backlash 2006 on DVD and the official Backlash 08 t-shirt. If you miss Backlash Sunday, April 27th, you still have time to catch the replay. The fallout from WrestleMania 24, Undertaker, Triple H, Shawn Michaels, Chris Jericho, Batista, Rey Mysterio, Randy Orton, Edge, and your favorite superstars seeking revenge at Backlash. Contact your pay-per-view provider today to find out how you can catch the replay of Backlash. All right, sir, you were playing for a copy of Backlash 2006 on DVD and the accompanying t-shirt. Are you ready, sir? Sure. All right, here's the deal. I'm going to read... How should I do it today? Should I read one of each, and he has to pick which one it is, or should yes. I just pick one? Okay, sir, I'm going to read two pieces of Gothic poetry. One of them is real and t found by me on the Internet. Uh, in other words, it was some, some person's actual poetry. Uh, the, other person, the, other, uh, the other poem is one that I myself wrote. Uh, I will read them both. Uh, Couldn't they both be actual poetry, Rick Emerson? I mean, because just because you didn't mean it like the goth kids didn't mean you didn't suppose. write it. I suppose. Um, so you, so the question, so you will then at the end, I will read both poems. You need to tell me which one I wrote and which one came off the net, okay? Okay. All right, so here we go. I will read them both in rapid succession. All right, uh, here is poem number one. This is called Sorrow's Path. If pain was gold, in wealth I'd lie. My heart's so cold... It aches, I cry. If life was air, in you I'd breathe. If life was fair, you'd never leave. <laughs> Down sorrow's path, my soul has crept. A lonely half, in rains, I've wept. All right, that is poem number one. Here comes poem number two, sir. This is called The Fall. The darkened room. A darkened mirror, the red wine of a thousand decaying roses, a blemish on humanity. Fly, fly into the sun, your waxen wings a testament only to your frailty. You fall further and faster into black, into yourself, into yourself alone. And there we go. All right, sir. Which one of those did I wrote? Uh, did I, which one of those did I done then there wrote? Which which one of those did I write? And which one of those came off the internet? Now I will allow you to punt if you want and have Sarah Dillon answer for you. I think that you wrote the second one. Sarah, what do you think? Hmm. I can see you using. I, at first, I thought you wrote the first one, but I could see you saying Waxen. Well, I can see you're, you're like an Iron Maiden fan, so you probably got that Icarus thing from your back of your brain that way. I don't know. All right, sir. It's your final uh, your final chance here. Do, do you believe I wrote the first one or the second one? I think you wrote the second one. All right. I did, in fact, write the second one. And you know what? You nailed it because I full-on stole that from the flight of Icarus. So I knew it. Yeah, flying on your That's own. awesome. Like an Icarus! <laughs> yes, I did. All right, my friend, congratulations. You have won a copy of Backlash 2006 on DVD and the official Backlash 08 T-shirt. Thank you, sir. Thanks. All right, put you on hold, Richie. Uh, caller 2 is the winner there where you get his info. Yeah, I did, in fact, write that one. I almost dropped the word waxen because I thought it sounded too much like me. So, waxen uh, does sound like you. That's the one word that I, that I pinpointed. Yeah. How bad was that other one, though? 
That's yeah. very bad. All right. Uh, fantastic. Well, I would think that you would... Well, first I thought maybe because of the rhyming, but then, yeah. Yeah, I tried to make mine all sound kind of different from one another. So, all right, there you go. Uh, so we'll do another edition of that uh, next week sometime. All right, uh, Scott Daly, if you would like to uh, enter the studio here, and we will do... Uh, we'll talk about um, whatever the love guru... Uh, some hideous new Michael Myers show. We have the top five today. We do, and then we'll we'll have uh, Tim to the news, and then we're going to do the top five Weird Al Yankovic songs about eating. All right, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show uh, from FilmFeverRadio.com, uh, the one and only Scott Daly joining us in the studio. Hello, sir. Hello. How are you, my friend? I am doing dandy. All right. All right. How's everyone? Everyone is. Uh, everyone is good. I'm a week away from my 20-year reunion. Really? Yeah. Next Friday. So you? Uh, well, you wouldn't be here because it would be Aaron's week, but you're going right. to be gone. You'll be in. Now, is it in St. Helens? No, no. I, I, I live in St. Helens. I grew up in Hillsboro. Oh, okay. So it's going right. to be out in Hillsboro. Oh, so, oh, so you don't have to, like, travel a long way. No, no it's not, not like if you imagine, like, Arkansas no, or something. No, no, no. So. All right. Oh, Are you excited? Weird. I don't know if excited is the word. I'm more curious. Are you taking your lady friend? Uh, no, it's for alumni only. All right. Good for you. Mm. So uh, there's, that's like a, there's a golf thing all day Saturday. There's a big couple thing Saturday night and Sunday is the family picnic. I'm only doing Friday. Cause All right. Have you still been talking time. to your old flame from high school that you might be? Since you said there was like a girl that that had just contacted you or something over the internet. Yeah, but it wasn't old flame. She was someone okay. who was who was under, who I guess her roommate listens to the show and she remembered me from high school. But that was that was it. All right. So yeah, no, 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 no old flames or anything. All right. So uh, now are you going to be? Are you going to manufacture any element of your life uh, if they ask you about it? Uh, probably not. They're not going to So what do you do? Are you going to, uh, is it going to be like where you pad your resume a little yeah, bit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a film critic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a film critic. I'm heard all over got the a world. a podcast. I'm on yeah. PBS radio. No, yeah. no. no right. You know work. what? You have my permission to lie. You, Thank you. Seriously. No, you have, I, I give you permission. You can just say whatever you but want. But it's not a lie. Because it's well, what I do. I'm just saying, you know, yeah. how, however you want to position yourself, I recognize the need of, you know, you go to your reunion to sort of just say whatever you need to exactly. say. Exactly. Interview Jerry so. Seinfeld. Talked to Ron Jeremy today. That's you know. what I'm saying. Yeah. You did? Did you really? I passed him in, as in the parking lot. It's like, hey, hey Ron Jeremy. Ron. Yeah. I do you like Portland. It's good. Yeah. All right. You know, the thing about Ron Jeremy is, and I mean this in the best way, he is just such a hustler. I mean, every time you pick up the newspaper, he's in town or on TV doing something or promoting something. I yeah. Mean, he just, that's a guy. He really is the American dream, just in so many ways. I think he's doing something at Dante's tonight. Uh, I don't know what he could yeah, be possibly doing. Yeah, I forget what it is. He's doing some some event. You know, he's like he's always in town doing stuff. Like a Ron Jeremy spoken word or something. Yeah, I mean, he's got you know, we had him on the show because uh, he was at the. I forget what he was doing. I forget what he was doing the last time he was in Portland. That we had him on. He was doing he's something. He's doing some right. like sex toy signing thing. Yeah, I guess it was at. Um, I don't even remember where. I apologize now, but I did. did, did if the, I don't think. I don't. It was it, the place out in. Uh, was it Taboo? I don't remember. It might I have think been. It was, I think it was Fantasy. Maybe, but I went and I right. yeah, and I went out there and said, "How big we you know we had him on the show and you know and you know did he he really has made really the, the, he has just made made a, a one heck of a life out of a you know not maybe not being a conventionally an attractive man, but you know what he's, he's good on it, him he's made it work <laughs> he really has good for him All good right. on him well speaking of love oh. <laughs> Love guru, Mike Myers. How yeah, bad? you know, Mike Myers needs to stop with the goofy characters. We get it. You could do an accent. It's time to stop. Please tell me he talks in a Scottish accent again. No, no, no. That never this, gets old. Fortunately, he's only one character. He's the guru picka. And he has a terrible, which doesn't make sense because in the film, he's, he's, he's an American raised in India, but yet he has the Indian accent. Which is, of course, bizarre. Oh, there's a really creepy scene. I think they have this in the trailer, but there's a scene where he is a kid, and they use a child actor 
but they superimpose his adult face. Ah, and it's just creepy. It's weird. It's like yeah. a little bobblehead. He expects it's going to pop off in the springs or going to explode or something. It's very unnerving and very distracting. Um, yeah, Love Guru is about... Uh, Guru Pitka, who, uh, you know, is a self-help, you know, Deepak Chopra type, type, uh, self-help advisor, who, uh, actually was trained with Deepak in India by a cross-eyed, embarrassingly, Ben Kingsley. Oh, I heard that Ben Kingsley's oh, in this. It's awful. It's an Academy Award winning. He played guns. I'm totally believing that. I'm just, seriously. <laughs> it's the name of the, it's the name of the character. It's also in a, no. I'm just no. telling you. <laughs> All right. All right. My apologies. Yes. Oh, maybe, maybe there may be some radio shows that would roll with that, <laughs> but not this one. This radio you know, show standards. is this radio show is not going to roll with the, that name on the air. All right, my apologies. That's okay. I mean, it's not your apology. Mike Myers should apologize. Mike, yes, Mike he really That's exactly it. He really should. Okay, wait, hold on. Better or worse than you don't mess with the Zohan? Oh, far better. Really? Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's not, it's just a, I Are mean, they pretty close? It, it, nah. Yeah. It like I, give Zohan, I give Zohan an F, and I'd give uh, Guru a D plus. Yeah, I read the Ain't It Cool review. In Two funny moments. One, it's a little Bollywood send up when Guru Pitka meets uh, Jessica Alba, who plays the owner of the Toronto Maple Leaves, which. You uh-huh. buy that one. Uh, they do this little flashback, kind of the Blaine's World Dreamweaver, but it's more like a Bollywood dance, a song and dance number. It's kind of funny, very well done. All the colors are really flushed out brightly. Right. Uh, and Justin Timberlake is in this movie. His name is Jacques. Is this going to be something uh, else I have to believe? Yeah, probably not say it. All right. <laughs> Jacques Grande. Who is uh, he's got the, he's got the mustache, he's got the bad hair, and he's the rival goalie on the L.A. Kings, who um, who uh, is uh, you know the bad guy, but he's pretty funny. Right. He's pretty funny, and I really like like Timberlake. I like I kind of respect the guy for what he's done over the last few years. But that's really about it. Mike Myers needs to stop with the characters, stop with the accents. We get it. What is the last good movie that Mike Myers did? That's what I'm saying. I mean, maybe you say Shrek. Yeah, I'm not a big Shrek fan. It's like way too heavy in the pop culture. They should stop with Shrek too, because Shrek too was ass. And coming up next is Shrek comes forth. Really? Huh. Yeah. What is the what is the last good live action film Mike Myers? Has you know, say what you will. The very first Austin Powers, upon first viewing, was actually really well done. See, and but I know now, that I'm in the minority. But I now that it's completely know. shoved down our throats with three of them, three, and the 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 the, the taglines and the you know the bad teeth, the yeah. hair. Yeah, we get it. You're English. They have bad teeth. Um, I would have to say the last really solid original Mike Myers film was Sorry, Married and Axe Murder. Uh, see, and that's a good that's film. That's what I would go with. You know, the, I would go with that. And that's a film that still holds up. You know why it holds up? He has one wacky character, his father, who has the best lines, the Scottish accent, right. which is great. But what really makes the film work is Mike Myers can actually act. Yeah. You know? And he was in 54. He plays Steve Rebell in 54. That's right. And he, he was did good a good job that, with that. Yeah. yeah. And he's not just a collection of texts. Exactly. Yeah. He's working on a biopic uh, uh, for Keith Moon. He's playing Keith Moon. Which should be interesting. All right. I'm not quite sure how it's going to play. But he really needs to get off the whole character thing. He, this, this Guru Pitka character, he's been um, working with and workshopping for the last 10 years in comedy clubs. Ugh. And I don't know, maybe he plays better in person. Nothing that you work on for 10 years is ever good. I know. I know. It that's really like, that's like how it's like Qu- Tarantino's been writing that new war movie yeah, for Gloria's six Masters. years. Yeah, Axl Rose, Chinese Democracy. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so, you know, the, the movie... Uh, it's just full of little double entendres. It's full of, you know, fart jokes and ow my balls jokes. And it's just, it's just, 
terrible. I mean, it's, it's there you go. <laughs> I mean, what else can you say, really? I, I was I was very apathetic going into it, and after I was there, like, nothing eh, to change right, that. Time to get a beer, I guess. Actually. <laughs> Let's take a break. We'll come back. Uh, Tim Riley around the corner. More from Scott Daly, and we'll do the top five Weird Al Yankovic songs about eating. Uh, stay there. Back after this. Don't go anywhere. Radio program. It's 503-733-2970. Coming up in just moments, top five Weird Al Yankovic songs about eating. This is your personal savior. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. An American tourist is charged with murdering his wife on their honeymoon. When they went scuba diving on the Great Barrier Reef in Australia, apparently the woman had a little trouble with her snorkel underwater. And her husband, who was an accomplished skin diver, did not help. Instead, he went ashore to look for help. Kind of like a Ted Kennedy type of thing. <laughs> skin no, no, diver. No. You stay here. I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll send somebody. Where were they? Australia. On their honeymoon. Where's, where's, I missed this opportunity earlier. Where? Australia. But where? The Great Barrier Reef. Barrier? I barely knew her. Or you can go skin diver. See, barrier. Mm -hmm. Oh, she's dead. The double meaning. Ah, never mind. Whatever. Your Ted Kennedy thing was better though. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, no. You just stay in the car. uh... (laughs) Uh, What happened with him in the car? Ted Kennedy. Oh, he. um, Well, I'll let Tim. Tim, as an Easterner, you why don't you? um... He was enjoying the uh, the camaraderie of a young lady, and uh, uh, like a prostitute. Well, no, a a secretary, an office worker, I believe. being the gentleman he was, he was driving her home after a party, and there weren't uh, sufficient lights on the bridge, causing him to drive off the bridge. Into the uh, water. Into the water. And because it was so dark, and he didn't think he could find her, and perhaps that might have been true, he decided to uh, go back into town the day afterwards and uh, ask for help. The day afterwards? Yeah. Yes. Meanwhile, she was, of course, you know, blah, 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 blah. So. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. bad. Yeah. Yes, it is. <laughs> American voters agreed, which is why he did not run for president. Right. So. But oddly, he's still signed there. Yes. Well. Yeah. Uh, oh, listen to this. People in Los Angeles are riding on trains. Yes, soaring gasoline costs of Southern Californians boarding Metrolink trains in record numbers. 
They logged a record 50,000 people on their trains Tuesday. That's a 16% increase. The price of gasoline in California, 450, a little bit higher than ours. A uh, Virginia man lost 80 pounds in six months by eating every meal at McDonald's. Not Big Macs. The French fries or the shakes, mostly salads, wraps, and apple diapers. Or is that apple <laughs> Apple diapers. <laughs> With the caramel that sauce. Sounds, that sounds tasty. Ew. <laughs> that sauce is always chocolate. Well, hey, now. I guess it's time for the top five, isn't it? Ah, uh, poo. It's crunchy. Three, two, what? one. Fire. If you're going to lose 80 pounds just by eating salads, what is the point of going to McDonald's for that? I, le- I don't know. They have lettuce at the store. They have apple diapers. I love to count. Don't you hear? Tim Riley with today's top five. And as we conclude a week spent largely in the pursuit of culinary discussion, food-based frivolity, and kitchen catastrophe. Uh, we end things in a fitting way musically. These are the top five Weird Al Yankovic songs about eating. But honorable mention to I Love Rocky Road. <laughs> the music is funny. I love Weird Al Yankovic. <laughs> Are those little fart noises? Yes, it's they are. A little hand armpit oh. sound. Let's do this thing. I hear those ice cream bells and I start to drool. It's one of the first albums I ever bought. Yeah. Keep a couple quarts in my locker at school. <laughs> yeah, but chocolate's getting old. Vanilla just leaves me cold. The accordion makes everything better. One flavor good enough for me. Yeah, me. Don't give me no crummy taste spoon. I know what. Don't really people don't really realize how well recorded these songs are. I mean, he he, he does take his fun sort of seriously. These songs are all really well done. Didn't Rick Rubin produce a couple of his albums? I don't believe that's true. Rick Derringer. Derringer. There we go. All right, yeah. Counted on the top five Weird Al Yankovic songs about eating. Number five, Addicted to Spuds. <laughs> God, I remember this one. Yeah. Remember Al TV? Yeah, I love Al TV. I don't know, man. That was a, whenever he took over MTV for like a whole day. I just waste all Saturday watching it. Harvey the Wonder Hamster. The best thing about Al TV is when he would re-edit interviews with celebrities oh, to make them say retarded things. The Bruce Springsteen one. Yeah, and I remember the Eminem one was great too. Oh yeah. Potato skins, potato cakes, hash browns, and instant flakes, baked or boiled. They've got a peel. <laughs> I think Sarah tuned out like five minutes ago. I'm listening to it. Counting on the top five Weird Al Yankovic songs about eating, Tim. Number four, lasagna. I remember this song.
He's still got the same band that he had at the very beginning, by the way. Really? Yeah, all the same guys. That's cool. Really wrong. <laughs> Would you like some zucchini? Got it on the top five Weird Al Yankovic songs about eating. Number three, spam. Oh, I love this. Uh, this one. is I love this, this song. Is so great, it's a great song. Like Weird Al. It's an American original. Counting on the top five Weird Al Yankovic songs about eating. Number two, Fat. Oh, remember this video? He's in the Back fat. up off me, man! <laughs> <laughs> you ain't fat! You ain't nothing! <laughs> God, we're retarded. Totally. Ding dong! <laughs> Hi, Sarah. What? <laughs> Fun around. Well, mine is too. Just watch your mouth. Or I'll sit on you. <laughs> the word is out. Better treat me right. Cause I'm the king of cellulite. Ham on. Ham on. Ham on whole wheat. All right. These are so well recorded, though. I mean, he mimics those. He mimics the original song really so flawlessly. I think it's what set him apart. For you to take. I wonder if he's ever been denied to do a song. Uh, yeah, he has Prince. Are you kidding? That's me? why he makes fun of Prince so much because Prince won't let him do his songs. Neither uh, and Eminem. There was a rapper too. Eminem let him. Uh, Coolio. Coolio's one who passed out, right? Yeah, because there was a miscommunication. There was a miscommunication, and he did Amish Paradise, which rules. I oh. love that song. But Coolio was like. Apparently, the record company gave permission, and Coolio didn't know about it, so there was a whole thing where he got all pissed off about it. The bad he, was, he was kind of an ass. He was just kind of a dick about the whole thing. Um, Eminem let him do the parodies of the songs, but he wouldn't let him do the video. So if you see that um, Couch Potato, which is a parody of Lose Yourself, yeah. he couldn't do a video for it because Eminem is like, you know, do the song, but I prefer that you not do a video. Prince, though, is just huh. flat out like, you can't do any of my stuff. Couldn't he still get away with it? Like He could. 
But he said, Weird Al Yankovic is very cool, though. He's like, he could do it because it's parody, which is constitutionally protected. But he said that out of respect, if somebody says no, he won't do it. Although, so, even though Prince is like a jackass about it, Weird Al is, you know, he's an honorable man. If Prince ever gave him permission, Al could do a whole album just with all his songs. The stuff that he's got. Yeah, because he's yeah. got them written and he's just never been able to do them. All right, kind of the top five Weird Al Yankovic songs about eating. Number one, eat it. Of course. Now, I heard that Eddie Van Halen played guitar on this song, too. I know. Tim Riley, he ran. He wow, ran. he really did wow. that. Uh, no, this, this, is, is, this is Rick Derringer as well. No, uh, but Van Halen played the guitar on this song like he did oh, on, on Beat It. Well, on, uh, no, that's what I'm saying. This is Rick Derringer. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. this is Rick Derringer, who was most famous for playing rock and roll hoochie coo. Uh, and then he was also in the McCoys, who did Hang on Sloopy. He is the guitar player and actually produced all of the early Weird Al Yankovic yeah. albums. Nice. Impressive. Attention, guys. Sarah knows every word to this Weird Al Yankovic song. Singing along, that guys. is hot. Really. <laughs> You're selling it, sister. I love it. We should do a day where we do all Weird Al Yankovic bumper music. Oh, I want to hear Amish Paradise. That's exactly me. I just want to play Amish Paradise. I want to play Amish Paradise right now. <laughs> play it. Why not? i got to find it. Uh, how long do we have? Um, two minutes. All right. Scott Daly, Film yes, Theater Radio. We got a brand new show up right now. Um, I interview or I review Love Guru. Aaron reviews Get Smarts. We have some movie news. Also, go to filmfeverradio.com right now and download our commentary for Predator. Featuring yeah. Fat Boy Roberts and Jay, uh, Aaron, a vanished twin, myself. Isn't that going to be their Joker midnight Fulham. movie? Uh, yes. That's like the second time you've stolen from them. Hey, <laughs> they, we, we got their blessings, so we're going to go with it. So, yes, yeah, so Predator commentary is all kinds of fantastic. Uh, so go check that out at FilmTVRadio.com plus episode 103. Wonderful. Up right now. All right, let's Did you see here. I do. Um, do I want to take a call from a guy who met Charles Manson? Sure. All right, let's see if that's who this is. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. No, I didn't meet Charles Manson. <laughs> oh, your name isn't Don, D-O-N. Uh, no, no, it's not Don. Oh. I did have a, a PE teacher in high school that was Ted Bundy's little sister's best friend. 
Well, okay then. Look at you making the three degrees of separation. All right, how can I help you? Well, I was just going to say, um, I so adore your show. Well, thank both you. my husband and I have satellites in both the cars, the satellite radios. We turn them off from 11 to 3. Aww. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Are you spreading the word about the show? Hello. What? 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 Hello? Uh, what? Sorry? Hi. Hello? Are, you, are, you, are you spreading the word about the show, my friend? Absolutely. Right. I'm here in the rural uh, bowels of Yanhill County. Excellent. Well, you, you, you call us anytime. Yes. What is your name? Becky. All right, Becky. Do you call us anytime? Thank you for listening. Thanks. Thank Bye. you. There you go. That's Thank a good you. way to end I the like show. Becky. Good job. All right. There you go. Sweet. Yes. What a great song. <laughs> this is my favorite. And then it starts when he's all like looking down and he's like in the in like the cool black outfit. <laughs> I walk through the valley where I harvest my grain. I take Fool. a with my wife and realize she's very plain. But that's just perfect for an Amish like me. You know I shun fancy things like electricity. At 4.30 in the morning I'm milking cows. Jebediah feeds the chickens it. and Jacob plows. Fool. And I'm <laughs> Even Ezekiel thinks that Lawrence Henderson is gone. And he has that Amish accent, too. I'm into discipline. Got a Bible in my hand and a beard on my chin. But if I finish all of my chores and you finish thine, then tonight we're going to party like it's 1699. <laughs> Excellent. We want to thank CNN Radio correspondents uh, Lisa Desjardins for joining us today. Also, Steve Kastenbaum, Scott Daly from FilmFeverRadio.com. Join us on Monday when a guy will be bringing alligators into the studio. Uh -huh. I swear to Christ. Rick Emerson Show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon for AM 970 Solid State Radio in the newsroom. Tim Riley on the phones. Richie Bristol. The gatekeeper is Dave Zinn. Brian Jones, Director of Engineering. Webmistress Bridget from upstairs. Susan Reynolds, CBS Radio, a Portland marketing guru. Uh, and we'll, uh, we'll see you all on Monday. Like us next, Michael, My uh, Michael Mayer Show at 7. Have a good weekend. Be safe. Thanks for listening. Don't let the bastards grind you down. Bye now. And my homies agree I really look good in black Fool, if you come to visit you'll be bored to tears We haven't even paid the phone bill in 300 years But we ain't really quaint So please don't point and stare We're just taking Fool